was just about to um, send you a message. Welcome to the Operation Move podcast. My name is Zoe and this week I'm excited to share with you the chat I had with Kirsten after she did her Alpine Challenge. Uh, when we recorded this, it was about two weeks after she had done her 100 kilometers unsupported event. And uh, first we chat a little bit about uh, my 30Ks up on the Gold Coast and some questions I had about that. And then we get it all into her adventure. And I tried really hard not to cry and hopefully that happened. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Endeavor Run. It's this really cool initiative which is based around the idea of giving everyday runners like all of the resources and supports and team environment that elite runners have. So you get access to world-renowned coaches, there's personalized training, there's nutrition guidance, there's a team retreat, and there's also a whole bunch of online programs and resources to support you as well. So what you get is a start to finish personalized program from 5K to marathon distance, depending on what you prefer. There's a five day team retreat in Oregon. You get uh, some of the programs that they're including are high performance lifting, which is a weight training that's specifically for runners. So that's quite unique in the space in that there's a lot of strength training out there, but not a lot of it is actually geared towards running and the specific needs of running. There's also a yoga program for runners uh, and you get virtual access to athlete Q&A as well as sports psychology as well, which is awesome. For more information on the program, you can just head over to their website and there is a short video on there that will give you a bit more of an idea of what's involved. One of the really cool things that they've offered is for Australian listeners if you are interested, then just DM them and you will get a $1,200 US discount off the registration to get you going. I'll link everything up in the notes. So it's all there, but their website is endeavorrun.com. And now we'll get back to our chat with Kirsten. But I did have... I thought that um, we could include, I've got a scheduling dilemma. So yes. I thought you could put your coach's hat on for me and tell me which way you'd go with my scheduling yeah. dilemma. All right. So <laughs> yeah. um, I had quality session yesterday, yep. which was was good, but was probably, probably going to take a bit more recovery than normal just because of how humid it was. Yeah, it's a big session too. Yeah, so um, so the on my plan, it's uh, easy day today, which I did, easy day tomorrow, and then another quality session on Saturday, and then uh, we've got sort of like Sunday, Monday is easy, and then Tuesday is a long run. So yeah. that's sort of how it's working. But my problem is, is that I have a body scan on Saturday so and I can't 
exercise. Like I could exercise beforehand, but it would sort of skew the results. Yeah. Um, so if I wanted to do the quality session effectively, I would have to wait like the earliest body scans are like at 6.30. So then yeah. I wouldn't start until 7. Which oh, it's a bit late in the heat. And so mm. I was thinking like my options are to sort of like do it a day earlier on the yeah. on the Friday with the sort of or, understanding that it might not be as <laughs> as yeah. good as it would be otherwise. Yeah. And then um or do it, do it on, on the Sunday. On the Sunday, knowing that the next thing after that is a long run. So on Tuesday. It's it's not um possibly as demanding as like things at 10k pace yeah what do you reckon i reckon sunday i'm very pleased with that thought (laughs) hey i I said i'm pleased with that thought because there's this like and also (laughs) i think the thing with saturday too is i thought i could just do it later but then it's like oh you know like then there are people yeah too many people and, you yeah. know, and you've got to sort of time it so you're not interrupting park run. And yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And also, yeah, and you don't want to leave it too late because it's just the later you leave it, the hotter it is. The, you know, the, and even if the humidity is going to be the same, the, the increase in the temperature uh, increases the effects of the humidity, I think. Yeah. Not that, you know, not that I live in a terribly humid place, but um, – yeah, a but lot it's of much it is, easier to cope with of, when it's cooler. A lot of it is sort of like, you know, just like you can have hot days that are drier and you yeah. won't sort of notice it. And you can yeah. have days where, like, because I think, you know, this week the highs have been sort of around 28, which is not that bad. Like, it's not. Mm. Um, it's pretty good. But the dew point has just been so high. It's yeah. like. Normally, when I get to the gym, people can't tell that I've just been for a run, but this week people could tell. They're like, oh, yeah, dramatic increase in sweat production. <laughs> uh, yeah, increase. no, I'd do it on Sunday and just allow yourself that extra bit of recovery. Um, and if it's, yeah, because if you, you, you know, I guess the whole point is that you want to be. Recovered enough for your quality sessions, don't you? Yeah, so and it's pushing it, it, is, it early it sort of quite, defeats the purpose. Um, I think it's a lot easier with the long run because the long run is mm. more effort based; it's not pace based. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's like um, a certain amount at moderate, and then at yeah. the end, there's a. Um, like a five or six k climb in the run, but again, yeah. effort based. You know, yeah. like you're not sort of like going for a certain pace up the hill. You just try not to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it's yeah. that far, and I think I also in my um, there's uh, I've got like on I think it's the Weather Channel app has like yeah. a running thing. Um, and the next time that is above a six out of ten to run is Sunday at five a.m. So yeah, Sunday seems like a good plan. Oh, okay, yeah. I think Sunday. I think if and if you allow yourself that extra day of recovery, you know, you will um, you'll notice it. 
you, you know, you'll reap the rewards of that. Yeah, it did say after bit. I finished that uh, run yesterday, it's like 43 hours. Yeah, of that was a heck of a run though. Oh, like it, regardless of the humidity and the, you know, the dew point, all that stuff, it, regardless of that, like that was a hell of a run <laughs> to do on a Wednesday, no less. <laughs> and I think also there had been notes on the 30K run from Sunday like, uh, don't make this too hard and possibly I made it a little bit too hard. Well, it's a race, isn't it? We all know yes. what happens in races. I can't be responsible <laughs> for that. That's you know. and I think possibly the fact that you got a two-minute PB might indicate that you push that, push the uh, the pedal down just a little yeah, harder I mean, than, than it's, you intended. It's an interesting but, one with that 30K PB because most of the time you uh, I would run 30Ks would be in a training run. Yeah. So I have, and if, say, for example, I'm going to the toilet or whatever, that might happen on a training run, I will tend to pause my watch while yeah. I do that. So they're not 100% accurate, are they? Those so I know from going through the records that as a continuous time, 2.35 yep. is my PB. Yeah. But I have uh, on another run where there was some pause time due to going to the toilet or whatever, like yeah. around 225. So I'm yeah. reasonably confident and, yeah. if it wasn't humid as fuck yeah. <laughs> that on a good day I could probably yeah. run 225. Yeah. Um, and also that, you know, like if you waited till July next year. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that run was in May, which is yeah. much more pleasant. Yeah. I reckon you, you could, absolutely. And also looking at the air quality um, of... Um, you know, of, of, of things at the moment with all the bushfires and, and whatnot. Like that does, um, I think that does have a an effect. You yeah, know, and just... also, you know, like there are just some, like obviously there are some, with some people in that race who are running really fast, but yeah. where I was running, it's not the, also not the kind of place where you exactly want to be kind of like going all out for a PB because they're a, they've changed the course and so there are some quite sort of thin paths. Yeah, so and it's were, not there's no road closures or anything, is No, it? no so road closures. So you've also got to wait like if there's traffic so you don't like yeah. get hit by a car or anything. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you have to stop like very often or was it all just? Uh, there was only once or twice that I had to stop for a car and they have volunteers there to help you. Oh, yeah, you with the marshalling on the roads and yes, stuff, yeah. signal to say it's mm. safe to go or wait. Um, yeah. The main thing that I think that they might want to look into for next year is they had for the 50K, they yep. had some paces on bikes, which is fine. Uh, and, you know, like the 30K is basically going on the 50K course just for a shorter period of time before you, yeah. you turn around before they do. But yeah. on some of the really thin paths, you have like a 50K pace, like a, a five and a half hour, six hour 50K yeah. pace. So obviously going quite slow and there's just no way for you to pass that bike. Whereas if it really? had been a pacer on foot, yeah, then you would have been able to get past. And... In the grand scheme of 30 kilometres, I don't really think it makes that much difference because, like, yeah. say, I was probably stuck behind that pacer for in the vicinity of half a kilometre to a kilometre to a yeah. kilometre and yeah. that 
slightly slower running means I was probably able to like had a bit more in the tank for the next few kilometers. Yeah, like I don't really of... think it makes that much of a difference. But yeah, I and can... if you're looking for really, you know, make sure you get a solid PB, then it's not a race. That's no. that wouldn't be the race that you choose. No, so... but I think that um, probably unnecessary to have paces on bikes in general. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that seems a bit. That seems a bit weird. Yeah, and particularly um, maybe if you're, you know, running a, if you do, if you're running, you're trying to pace somebody who's capable of running a two twenty, you know, marathon or something. But don't want someone who can get places fast. But that's, you know, and particularly when there's like a turnaround point. So if they had people who didn't want to be running fifty k's to pace, they could yeah. pace for twenty five k and have somebody else waiting. Like yeah. turnaround point. Yeah. Pace yeah, the yeah. back twenty five k. So yeah, yeah fresh but, pacer. But mm. all in all, um, so much bigger than the last time I went there. Like, this is like that was about four years ago, wasn't it? You know, all of these tents and it was like yeah, it was just yeah a lot. Um, I think I did. I didn't go last year, but I think the year before I might have gone up and done the fifteen k. Yeah, okay. Because it was um, the 50, that was your 50K that you did, wasn't it? Was yeah, that, that one was that after one. you? And that was backing up after Melbourne, life. wasn't it? Um, just, yeah, like I wouldn't, <laughs> it's, you sit, I saw some of the, um, I don't think, I, I'm not sure if I saw the male winner come through for the 50, but I definitely saw the female winner. And, yep. like, it was amazing being able to do that in that. I think the female winner came in in four hours-ish. And, um, yeah, in, in the conditions. It's, and when you're also, you're dealing with a lot of uh, human traffic towards the end. Yeah. Like, in the beginning, no one's really out, so it's pretty uh, it's okay space. Yeah. But on the way back... Um, you busy. You got yeah. You got a lot more pedestrian traffic uh, to deal with, and some people are aware that there's a race on, and other people, and other people, really yeah. quite gobsmacked, and completely unaware. <laughs> and it doesn't really affect me at my pace, but you know, like yeah. people at a faster pace, it might affect. But then I guess they're not like coming through at the same time I am. They're just like like a little bit earlier. So it's yeah. probably not quite as But easy. still, you know, you just when you're focusing on where you're at physically and mentally and, you know, the, the level of concentration required to... And you have to run you know, past cafes and people are sitting that's there. Tor- that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. breakfast and you're like, I'd like breakfast. <laughs> I could just start my and pancakes? eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and it sounds like a, a lot of fun. Everybody, the, the resounding um, feedback was that it was you know, let's go back and do it again next year, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a a sort of also like because of the time of year, it's quite a fun, low-pressure yeah. social event. So, you know, no one's really going in there going, you know, like I'm going to. I'm gonna, and also yeah, because the, the distances aren't, you know, like it's not a half marathon, it's not a 10K. Yeah. They're slightly different, which I quite yeah. like. Like I think that 15 and 30 are great distances. I think there should be more races yeah. that, are, I agree. that do that because it's sort of like 
30K is like the good part of the marathon. It's the fun part. The fun part. The fun part And 15 is definitely like the fun part of the half. So, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's, yeah, it's. No, and, it's, and it, it's, it's a nice way to challenge, uh, just, you know, change things up and challenge yourself and, you know, in your own way and um, without heaps of pressure. Yeah. You know, if, if that makes sense, it's sort of, um, yeah, it's kind of. Um, and for the people who are thinking about stepping up, maybe from half to the full um, to have your little, you know, a bit of a toe-in-the-water kind of scenario with a 30K race is um, it's fantastic. And there's not very many of them around. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from um, upgrading, or not upgrading, I should say, um, you know, taking that step going, you know, you think you might want to do a full marathon, but, you know, 42 kilometres is a really long way to run. So... <laughs> And you're not sure, and a 30k race is um, ideal just to see if it's something that you think you might want to do. Yeah, and and it's sort of it's also really easy to fit in if it's sort of part of another training cycle. It's not unusual for people mm. to be doing 30k runs, and you know, yeah. it's a bit more, a bit more. It's not unusual for you to be doing 30k runs. On. Um. <laughs> It's just the wrong day of the week, Zoe. It should have been a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it has <laughs> been good, day. This, good this year with sort of incorporating events where I can for some of those long runs just to sort mm. of, you know, break it up, mm. have ones where, I mean, I think with the run, the only real question mark for me about what I did was I chose not to take a hydration pack with me. Because yeah. like, it's 30Ks. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah. There's going to be water stations every 5Ks. If I was doing the 50, 100% would take the yeah. hydration pack, no question. Yeah. And it was like towards the end, I was like, oh, I don't know if that was the right choice. Um, too late. But, um, yeah. but the other side of it is that probably on balance, I think I did better for not having to carry the extra weight. Yeah. Um, and the water stations were good in that they had, I'd not had it before, but I think that they had some kind of a, like a hammer fizz. Uh, okay. Electrolyte, yep. which some people hate. Because <laughs> if yeah. you're expecting still water and you not uh, only not getting like an electrolyte carb drink, but it's also fizzy. <laughs> Shock yeah. to the system. But I quite, uh, I quite liked it. It was good. Yeah. Um, and they sort of, uh, I think towards the end, they started having some Coke. I really think they should just have Coke from the beginning. Yeah, just bring it out right just from the start. It's right great away. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then beer at the end maybe when everybody's getting really hot and desperate. Yeah. <laughs> and even, even as a non-beer drinker, you start thinking to yourself, Oh, yeah, <laughs> something yeah. cold and frothy. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah. As long as I it's mean, cold. Yeah, so the only question I did have about that, which I thought I'd just talk briefly about, because probably not the only person who had this question, is mm. because I'd mentioned that I'd done it in a caloric deficit. Um, yes. Which the uh, question yeah. was, was that for a training purpose? Like, no. Like, there can be reasons why you do a uh, carb depletion run before a race um, yeah. and you can get sort of like a bit of a, a bump from doing that, but I wasn't doing – it wasn't for that reason. It was yeah. just that 
I had signed up just to go and see Tanya and Sonia run their yep. 30Ks. And I was like, that'll probably work into my week. I often have a 30K long run. I'll just sign yep. up. And it had been in a – I decided after um, the last race to have a – fat loss cycle which would be only for nine weeks and so because it was for nine weeks I was like I'm not going to uh, interrupt that that. Mm. because if I'd sort of like done what I'd normally do for a race it's probably about a week of time out of that nine weeks and I just figured just completely Mm. commit to it but to be clear what that means is I sort of stick to the sort of like the the deficit in my daily intake of macros and food and whatever else. Yeah. But whenever I have a long run or a workout, I fuel that with um, with carbs. You feel and that gels separately and, to your macro. Count, yeah, don't I don't. Yeah. I don't sort of. It's just extra. So I do it how I would normally do it, which is usually like if it's sort of, you know, uh, around about you know, two hours or less, it's kind of like a probably about 60 grams of carbs an hour. And if it's over mm. that, then it's more like 90 grams of carbs an hour. So although I was feeling the effects of having been in deficit for as long as I have been, yeah. and my, I would say that my glycogen stage up very low. Um, <laughs> well depleted. Well depleted. Um, but what I did is I had um, my normal sort of uh, drink beforehand, which had about 50 grams of carbs in it. Um, yeah. And I also had like probably about half a litre of coconut water on the way up, which also has some carbohydrates in it. Mm, a um, bit of electrolytes too. I don't normally do coconut water, but... Um, just with how humid it had been and mm. it's got such a good amount of like sodium and potassium in it. Yeah. I just had started that through the week and I had through the week been having a mix which I made up which was like coconut water, lemon juice. That was the, with the raspberries, raspberries and stuff, wasn't it? And yeah. some salt just to kind of like preload everything because I knew it was going to be a bit of an assault on the, yeah. on the system in the heat. And then during I had – what would it be like um, about 275 plus like 125 grams of carbs. And then when I yeah. finished, I did feel not immediately, but after about 20 minutes, I started to feel like a little bit woozy. And so I yeah. went back to the car and I had um, like some more protein and carbs to go in some cold water. And yeah. after that, I felt better. So it's just like a little bit uh, dehydrated, I think. Yeah. Uh, so all in all. Um, so it's not, not ideal to be going in like that, but at the same no. time, you know, it's part of a bigger picture. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. in reality, and like you're looking in, at a 30K, you do a 30K run most weeks don't yeah. you you do yeah. a you know so it's not well outside the realm of yeah, and what I was, is normal uh, training run feet like a normal no, distance run for you it's a harder effort happy to but, slow down you know like I wasn't I was like this could start going um start going a bit pear-shaped somewhere in the middle and you just yeah. know 
that well that's okay because I can just go slower like it's not yeah. um not a big deal uh yeah and in hindsight I probably could have just with the conditions I probably could have added like a bit more carbs in yeah. with the gels and what have you but it was fine like I felt yeah. like probably like the first 18 kilometers went pretty well and yeah. then the last 12 was like a bit more of a struggle um yeah and uh but that was kind of expected I think if you kind of go in you know like knowing that there are certain things that are going to feel slightly different from what mm. like a normal race would feel like yeah and I just kind of I sort of had an idea as to pacing but I really kind of tried to just stay within what my body was comfortable doing with what it had yeah. on the day. Yeah. So it, and then the conditions that you've yeah, got. And, and from the yeah. get-go, it was slower than what my yeah. original pacing had, plan had been. So the first, I'd sort of broken it up into chunks. So when yeah. the first sort of uh, five or six was like about five seconds slower than what I planned, I did not then attempt to sort of stick to that pacing plan. I was like, okay, everything's going to be five seconds slower now. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you can just adjust, can't you? You know, yeah. and, and I guess the, the fact that you practice that distance on a regular basis gives you the ability to know where you're at and how your body feels on a really good day when the conditions are, you know, fabulous and you're, you're eating for performance, not for, you know, not for fat loss and because there's a huge difference in calories uh, mm. and carbs and you know and it's um and it's uh so you know it's an interesting information you know you you're gathering information about your body while you're doing it and you're you've experienced enough to be able to um alter things on the fly you know on the on the run but yeah. so to speak so you know it's um yeah and i and i think you know knowing that it is December and it's hot and it's humid and it's you know smoky and all that sort of stuff it's not it's not racing season it's it's um it's get out there and have some have some fun or get some more experience yeah and I I think with with that too like it can be uh, I've just tried to be just a little bit strategic with okay like the easiest time for me to not be eating for performance is now yeah, you know, because I don't have any races, and it's easy to kind of like just downshift things <laughs> to effort based where need be. And like, who like I would like have no idea. Like even with like doing that threshold thing the other day, it's like yeah, I have no idea what that's going to look like in um, in autumn. Like because it's yeah. just everything is relatively effort based at the moment mm. anyway, and the main thing. With, the, with it that you just want to be careful of, which is why all of the workouts are still fully fueled, is much more from a sort of like recovery injury prevention yeah. point of view. Because the other option too, I could have completely changed the training to say, okay, like this is a fat loss phase, so I'm not going to do workouts. I'm just going yeah, to do just lots of easy running, easy and, running and, you know, go to the gym and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, I get pretty bored. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the person. Yeah, that's not the sort of person you are. Not the sort of running that you like. And yeah, yeah you love, so you love these um, sort of things. So it was kind of easier workout. to just go. Okay, I'll just do this. And yeah, and it's of, working. So some of these you know, days are going to suck. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Like, you can really lower expectations, can't you? So that's – and it's totally fine to do that because sometimes things suck even when you are running, you know, you're eating to performance and you're eating, you know, you're, you're, you're doing all the things that you'd normally do. You still have runs that suck sometimes, so yeah. no matter. You yeah, just um, – now you know exactly why they might suck. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, and I think it's it, – it's, I think it is um, – good to like I think in some ways too it can give you a bit of confidence to say even when situations are less than ideal I can still perform quite well it's sort of similar to the the mental confidence you get from like when you go into a workout and maybe you didn't get great sleep or maybe you had an argument with someone the day before or you know maybe you're stressed with work or you know like maybe it's term four and your kids don't yeah. take a break from complaining for even like five seconds out of the day. Like maybe that's happening. Um, but um, and you, when you figure out, oh, I can still go and do this, it then gives you something to fall back on when you have those little sort of like yeah. imposter Next, complex demons yeah. pop up saying and you can't do this the- workout. Yeah, it changes the stories that you tell yourself as well, doesn't it? It's mm. like, so instead of when the alarm goes off and you've had a crap night's sleep, instead of saying, oh, well, I didn't get any sleep, so I'm just going to lie in bed for the next hour instead of going for my run, you say, you you know, you've already got that in the bank that, well, last time I didn't have enough sleep and uh, I still did my run and I, you know, I kicked ass. So, you know, just get up and go and do, just do it and see what happens sort of thing. Like you've already got that. You don't have that long drawn out conversation in your head, but it's it just changes the patterns of behaviour almost. In that, it's not an excuse. You know, I mean, if you've yeah, had two hours sleep and you've had kids up with gastro, then maybe you might want to rethink it. But like, if you've just had a disrupted night's sleep it, for you know mundane reasons, it doesn't necessarily. That's not an. That's not a reason not to go. Necessarily, you know. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, and I mean, sometimes if you've had kids who've had gastro, if you're still feeling okay, you might like to like get outside and not smell get like some vomit fresh for air, like five minutes, <laughs> uh, and just in case, because you never know, you might come down with it yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, but, it yeah. was interesting. I was listening to, I was listening to a podcast about that sort of interplay of tech and running, and some of it was about some of like the new shoe stuff and you know blah blah blah. But some of it was sort of like the interaction between sort of like Strava and heart rate and resting heart mm. rate and HRV and like what decisions you're making sort of based on that. And they yeah. were saying like a lot of times you were just better off not knowing because yeah. there's still nothing better in terms of like running a race or running a workout than perceived effort and they were talking about like a guy who had like it's some kind of race that was in the sort of I think like 20 to 30 minute ish time zone and um he had purposely switched off his heart rate data in that like it was going but he couldn't see it um yeah and uh and he had like a a good race like a you know like pb or something but then he finished and he realized that for like the vast majority of that he'd been in zone five now if yeah. he'd known he was in zone five he would have pulled he back probably would have pulled back but because he mm. didn't know he was just yeah. going to what his perceived effort was 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it changes it. And I've certainly done that too sometimes where I've switched what I'm looking at like by like sometimes when I've done sprints I've not looked at what the pace is and I find yeah. that I go faster and sometimes I do hill sprints in a place where I know like particularly like long hill sprints like when I'm yeah. doing like those three-minute ones and yeah. uh, I know that the first one to one and a half minutes is in like this kind of GPS dead zone so I yeah. won't know what the actual pace is till I get past that and it corrects itself oh okay so yeah. it stops me so I just I'm kind of running blind for the yeah. first half to two-thirds of that um, repeat yeah. and I find yeah. it mentally so much easier to deal with because I'm not like going, oh, I'm going too fast, oh, I'm going too slow, you know. Yeah, like, blah, that's blah, blah. the thing, isn't it? Because hill sprints, you know, I mean the – I don't often do hill sprints as in a sprint. More often they're a repeat, you know, like as a steady effort concerted effort run and run as fast as you can yeah. for this period of time up this hill it's more often um i want you to maintain this particular effort the whole way up or you know that sort of stuff and so you know when i have on the odd occasion when i have had to do pace you know sort of paced uh hill sprints um you know, of course, you go out too fast. <laughs> Unless yes. you're practicing them all the time, you're always going to go out too fast because it's easier at the beginning because yes. you haven't crossed that threshold, um, and it's always going to be harder at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's just the you know that's the physiology of it. That's just the nature of it. So it's really difficult to it's like, oh, I'm going too fast. Oh, I have to slow down. Oh, hang on, I'm doing. A, it's like, you just. And just run up the hill <laughs> for X time, <laughs> turn around, come back and do it again. You know, like I just, I get so, um, I'm not flustered by it, but I just get exasperated by it, I guess. And it's like, oh, just stop thinking about it so much. And just the whole point is that you need to run up the hill. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Is um, And sometimes you might do it faster. <laughs> sometimes you might do it slower. But, you know, for me, I've sort of had to, I've changed that pace, that, that, that thinking um, of let's try and maintain the same level of effort the whole way up the hill. And that's how my brain copes better with with it. So, and when you're doing a four-minute hill repeat, you start out pretty easy, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> four minutes is a really long time to run up a hill. So, yeah, it's really um, easy to, like, It's it just doesn't seem to matter, like, how long the hill sprint or hill repeat is like I always start them off and think, I'm probably going too slow this feels yeah. easy and then you get kind of into the middle and you're like no this is so really hard have this far to go and then like at the end where I'm like I'm dying and I'm dying the end of my life Can I stop <laughs> and um and yeah like I think that that's part of the thing that I actually like about sort of like hills as opposed to flat sprints is there's a certain level of it where it can't be paced because yeah. it's always you're always going to get that to that bit at the end where you're just maintaining anything resembling you're just hanging on for dear life and is, wishing for that beep um <laughs> and you know there've been plenty of times when I've done it where I've like like even like walking it's maximum yeah. effort at the end, yeah. and um, and it's yeah, it's 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 sort of it's a such a good uh, 
mental sort of stimulus, I think. Yeah. Because it absolutely. is um it is one of those things where I think that there's there's an element where you can sort of sandbag a little bit with like flat springs. So it's like, okay, mm. I don't really feel like doing this today, so I'm gonna just like do it at this yeah. pace and you know, there's a certain level that you can sort of get away. Um, yeah. Get away with that. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide on a hill sprint, is there? No. No way. It's it's uh, it's run a laid bear. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're actually going to talk about the Alpine Challenge, weren't we? I think that yeah. we got well laid. <laughs> Taking a quick break to thank Endeavour Run for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like more information, you can head to their website, which is endeavorrun.com, and they have a video there which will take you through uh, what's being offered in the program, and uh, then you can also uh, send them a message if you would like that discount code as well. It's um, not, I don't, I don't have real estate on the, the podcast topic. <laughs> no, it's good to hear about the other stuff because apparently other people run other races. So, you know, it's, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, uh, yeah, that was two weeks ago now. So was it two, no, three weeks ago three on weeks. Saturday. Wow. So how's the recovery feeling so far? Yeah, good. I think I'm, my brain might've started working again this week, which is promising. And um, body feels all right. I started running Tuesday. It was my first run back, um, which I was a little bit scared about because you just don't know until you get back to it what, yeah. might, what might be uncovered. <laughs> yeah, are you more you're... used to, like having had a few recovery periods now, are you more used to like that first time where you had, you know, like a couple of weeks before running, was mm. that a hard adjustment at first or is it always relatively uh, yeah, natural it after is, having it, gone so It far? is. And the first, um, like when I did my first 50K, I was like, I was very much, well, it's Tuesday, I have to run. So I ran that 50K on a Saturday, so, well, it's Tuesday, so I really need to go for a run today. Um, and it felt like shit. So, you know, about three minutes after I started, I was like, thank God this is only like 15 minutes long because <laughs> this is really hard. And then, you know, um, and really, um, and I've sort of been a process of learning that more, more recovery is better after the race you know it's um it's it's more than you know the mental fatigue as well as the physical fatigue um but it's sort of getting easier to step back from running that feeling that need to run um i think you know when you we've probably talked about it before but that um, for something that you've worked so fought so hard to build into your life it's really hard to step back and say it's okay if I don't run this week yeah. or next week. Um, and um, uh, in the because there's this constant fear in your in the back of your mind that what if I don't run again? Yeah. What if what if I break that habit by not running for a week or two? And so I'm becoming a lot more confident 
in myself um, to be able to step back and allow that recovery um, to happen without me insisting on getting back to running, uh, you know, yeah. at a certain time. So um, I think after Oscars this year I had a week off and then I was sort of maybe maybe two weeks off and I then I had a wisdom teeth removed and so I had an extra week off running and blah, blah, blah. It was sort of – that was a bit – there was sort of a, a urgency to get back to it though because I knew I had UTA only sort of 11 weeks later. Um, so it was – not a complete recovery and then after UTA this year I had because I hadn't had a full recovery after Oscars um I think I you know I had to pay the piper at some point so yeah it it happened in June (laughs) and probably you know it took ages for me to feel like I um like running was feeling easier again probably till August it took yeah, it took till about August before running started feeling feeling easier again. But um, so um, so this time, yeah, I've sort of made sure that I had two. You know, I've had just over two weeks of of zero running. Um, I think I did a yoga class, and that was it as far as a f- any formal kind of um, moving. Um, obviously working and running around after kids and whatnot, but like I was, I was still and still do some days still have to have a lie down on the bed in <laughs> the afternoon, sometimes, you know, about four thirty, five o'clock, whatever time I happen to get home from all the after school shenanigans. Um, just to, cause you know, during the day it's, you know, you're running around appointments and driving here and doing groceries and going to the gym, blah, blah. You're on your feet all day. And, um, and so it's kind of, nice to just lie down and and have a bit of um have a bit of feet up and and just recharge before the afternoon craziness so it's um um that was almost every day that I was having to do that over the last two weeks and that this week it's sort of it it has eased a little bit and I'm feeling more myself so that's um uh yeah so that's that's okay. And now it's sort of moving more into the active recovery kind of stage of things where I'm going to just run to feel, run to, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, floats my boat on the day. Um, your, uh, it was your glute that was playing up. Yes. The, how's it feeling? Yes, it's it's there. It's still <laughs> annoying me. Um, I'm hoping to get a cancellation with the osteo um, in the next week, and if not, hopefully an appointment on the Monday before Christmas. But I've already booked in an appointment for the sixth of January, just in case I don't get one, yeah. um, because it's yeah, it's not quite right. It's not still right. giving me grief. Um, and as much as I can do things at home to try and help release it. I can't inflict that kind of discomfort on myself um, <laughs> voluntarily, so I have to pay. I have to pay my osteo to be able to do that. So um, yeah, I mean they do all of that stuff. Like a lot of times, like with my hamstrings, it's not them just you know stripping them. It's them sort of getting me into position and then like getting me into a stretch position and then me pushing against it. So there's all of those sort of isometric yeah. and active release stuff that they. They do as well as sort of, well, for me anyway, like a lot of the times if my, like I had 
my glute was playing up and I think it was much more that my pelvis was misaligned. Yeah. Then the glute yeah. was like obviously it was tight, but as soon as the um, pelvis was adjusted, it yeah. eased up pretty much straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like it, um, I think after my last long run that I did, uh, which I think was about four weeks out from um, from the race. Uh, I was a bit, I was tight in the hips after that mm. and then two weeks after that, yeah, I had, you know, this problem crop up. So I think, it, yeah, it came from the from tight hips and, and then just, um, you know, probably the cumulative effect of, you know, the four months of training is just something somewhere is just going to, you know, it's not uncommon for something to just go, hey, yeah, no. <laughs> not today <laughs> so um it's you know it doesn't it, it it only hurts at certain times and um there's a bit of an ache there but um I'm sure that um that that'll get sorted out soon and and the only other thing that's been giving me a little bit of curry is the um and it's more just a, a niggle is um when my left foot the second toe on my left foot goes numb when I extend when I yeah uh when I extend my foot out and sort of flex um my foot towards my body and um and so that sort of a little tingle goes up there so I just I think my calves just need a good bit of um release and and massage from the osteo so I think um so I think there's going to be a little bit of pain and suffering coming my way when I do get an appointment but it's going to be it's going to be all in the all for the greater good. Um, but apart from that, like I feel pretty, you know, pretty good really. Like, you know, considering um, considering that I did, you know, highest sort of mileage and elevation throughout my training plan, yep. my training block for four months um, and, um, you know, uh, I feel like my body coped really well with everything so um so that's so that's good you know and I've caught myself thinking this morning that um you know maybe one day I'll go back and do it again (laughs) so so, um yeah so that was you know it's not it hasn't left me scarred for life or anything but um and I'm certainly not super broken um but yeah just I think just allowing yourself the grace to recover in the time that it's going to take without forcing it too much is is um is where I'm at yeah and it helps having the I think the tools to be able to you know like if you're using running as like a stress relief or as Mm. time on your own or you know um whatever it is yeah to have those tools to have other things yeah absolutely yeah because well yeah and that's you know look I'm not chomping at the bit look I couldn't have even thought about oh there was there was absolutely no desire to go for a run in the first two weeks like it was just no (laughs) there was a whole lot of no (laughs) no (laughs) thanks going on and um uh and, this, you know, like last night I was thinking, oh, am I going to lay my stuff out for the morning? Shall I go for a walk? And then I thought, well, yesterday I was going to go for a walk and I ended up running. So um, just rest, 
you know, just rest tomorrow and run Friday, maybe run Sunday because I'm going out for breakfast Sunday morning. So I might run first and then go to breakfast and, you know, sort of thing because it will taste amazing after Mm -hmm. I've been for a run. Um, So it's – so, yeah, so it's sort of, you know, and I guess at this time of the year as well, you're trying to juggle between the – you know, the craziness that is end of year, wind up things, all the awards, assemblies, all the Christmas carol nights, you know, there's um, all the shop, the Christmas shopping and tidying up and, you know, going through, throwing out all the rubbish that, you know, to make room for new crap that they get for Christmas and whatever. And with four kids, that's exhausting. Um, So, you know, I kind of, God, last week I was thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm not running because I don't know where I would even fit it in, you know, in in what's going on at the moment and with, you know, with energy levels and all that sort of stuff. I just – it was just another thing that I was actually pleased that I didn't have to worry about yeah. last week. So it's kind of, you know, good timing from that point of view. And, I, look, I've got the pressure. I've got, I've got an event booked for the 12th of January, so <laughs> There is a slight amount of, oh, what's going to happen there going on in my head. But it's, um, I'm, you know, it's the two bays trail run down at Dramana, um, run from Dramana to Cape Shank down in the Mornington Peninsula. And unless I'm injured or, you know, like physically can't run, I'm going to give it a crack anyway because they don't shut the finish line. You just don't get an official time and you don't get a requalification for the following year. And we're going to be in Melbourne anyway that weekend. So um, I'm going to go anyway and, uh, and catch up with Misha and Jen and, um, and, uh, and family and whatnot. And, and just, you know, if I don't finish in under four hours, it's, that's fine. You know, it's just such a, it's a lovely run and I've paid my money and, all that sort of thing. So I'm not in a, um, I'm not in a, um, I'm not trying to force it. I'm just very much a, I think time and space is going to be my friend in recovery. So, and the mental, like the mental break is welcome as well from having it. Like I'm not working to a training plan or anything at the moment. I'm having a few weeks off doing that because mentally exhausted, you know, all the um, sorry about flies buzzing around me. All the the mental preparation and the um, you know the mental fatigue from the race. Yeah, like it's it's it's. Um, I think it takes just as long, if not longer, to recover from um, than the actual physical stuff. Yeah, and particularly because there were a few changes back and forth <laughs> just before it started, weren't there? Yeah, there was a few. Yeah, there was some. Yeah, there was some um, moving of the goalposts, I guess. Some some uh, some pivotal. Yeah, what do they call them? Plot twists. There was some. There was some of those. Um, so, like, built on top of you know the anxiety around the fact that, um, like, I remember I was looking through a little sort of planning, uh, a little diary that I, uh, you know, just a notebook I keep on my bed and and. In the lead up to the race, I was, you know, one night I was having trouble going to sleep, and I was thinking, I just need to, what are, what are my f- concerns, sort of going into this, um, and, um, and one of the things that I wrote down that I was anxious about was my own experience, and that really, really, in the grand scheme of things, I'm, 
I, I still consider myself a relatively um, inexperienced trail runner com- compared to, and this is the this is the you know the 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 um, perspective on that is it, compared to a lot of other people. So, and and this is not this wasn't an event for um, you know it's not. Um, it's not for the new trail runner. Yeah. This sort of event, you know, you, you, the requirement is that you are, you know, they say you must be an experienced trail runner because this is, you know, there's navigation required. There's, um, you know, it's not a well, it's not well marked. It's very, very minimally marked course. It's um, minimal, you know, entrance. It's not a, you know, we had 40 people entered in the 100K. There was 70 people entered in the 100 mile you know, you're going to go long stretches of time without seeing anybody. So my experience was something that I was nervous about, anxious about, and also the weather, you know, and also how much it's going to hurt and all that sort of stuff. So there was already a lot of mental kind of um, mental energy going into getting to the start line, getting just getting to Falls Creek for a start, I guess. So I think um, – when we found out on the Friday lunchtime that there was bushfires at Mount Bogon um, that were affecting the uh, – they weren't affecting the course as such, but they were um, affecting the ability to extract people should there be yeah. an injury or an incident. Um, and so they had to reroute the course. And so being a, you know, sort of a, oh, shit, we've, you know, got – 20, less than 24 hours, we've got 18 hours until kickoff. Um, we need to still provide these people with a with an event, blah, blah, blah. The immediate solution was that they would um, utilise the 60-kilometre loop of the, uh, on the course that the 100-miler people use yeah. um, and uh, thus extending the race to 120 kilometres and nearly 6K of elevation. Um, and then, and that was for the hundred Ks and then for the hundred milers, it was going to extend their course out to 180 kilometers and, um, probably around eight kilometers of elevation gain over that distance. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the elevation gain that I was worried about. Um, (laughs) it was the distance. (laughs) Um, I had no idea how. I was going to cover an extra 20 kilometres, you know. Um, that's a long way, an extra 20K on top of 100 um, that was already going to be arduous enough. I didn't know how that was going to happen, although if it was going to happen, it was going to be very slow. So, um, so like, there was a reshuffle of drop bags. There was, you know, I had a, I had a minute <laughs> Joe and I were about to eat lunch and we were just like, oh, shit. So um, I just think I'm, I'm so glad she was there and I um, hope that I wasn't too much of a drain on her sort of emotional resources and mental mental energy because, um, you know, it's stressful enough trying to think about that sort of thing for yourself and she had her own race goals and everything that she was trying to rejig and replan and, you know, all that sort of thing because she was there to race the event, uh, whereas I was there to f- complete the event. I yeah. was just there to – my goal was to finish. So you didn't um, have any sort of 
that was your only sort of context for what you yeah. consider yeah. success was be finishing? Yeah, success or fat. Yeah, it was give it a go and, and, and finish. Um, was yeah, To finish was my main goal. Um, times were secondary because I really had no idea how long it was, you know, having not done the course before, at the original course, um, before I sort of didn't know how long things would take me to do. Um, and as much as you can stare at a map and the topo lines and all the rest of it, like you just don't, you don't know unless you're familiar with the track and the, you know, the trail and, and whatnot. So we had to, we had an extra drop bag, we had to rejig drop bags and all this sort of stuff and pack extra food and thank goodness we had, you know, we had heaps of food, so that wasn't a problem. As, you know, number one concern ticked off. We had plenty of food. Um, and But it was certainly, you know, it rocked, it rocked my confidence and it sort of, yeah, it, shook, it really shook me. So um, it was, uh, it, yeah, just I think the rest of the day was sort of spent in a state of, um, many sighs, like I was just deep, lots of deep breathing. <laughs> Joe would be like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "It's okay. I'm just, I'm just breathing, deep breathing." <laughs> you know, it's sort of a mental release when you sort of sigh, and 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 um, and so it was just like a, a resignation, almost of, well, I came here to give it a, to do this, and I'm not going to leave without a fight. So, sort of just kind of mentally setting myself for the challenge, I guess, yeah. was where I was at as well as um, and just trying not to, you know, trying to keep it in perspective. You know, the, the race organisers made the decisions, as they always do. They make the decision to keep their participants safe um, and to keep their, you know, the, nobody wants a critical incident in a no. in a race ever, you know, and, um, and it's their job to keep us safe um and to maintain the reputation of their event as well you know they want people coming back next year <laughs> signing up again next year and if there's somebody you know if something terrible has happened on the course then you know it's um uh it's not like they can afford to lose participants so um and then we yeah we got to the start line and um uh, it was you know we had to be there for uh roll call and um uh, pre-race briefing at quarter past four in the morning and we turned up and they said, oh, start's been delayed. We've got a, we've got another course change, everybody. We need to go down into the, into the briefing room again. And, um, and they had, luckily somebody had suggested an alternate course, alternate start to the course, which utilised the end of the 36 kilometre events route. Yep. Um, so we headed out, you know, we were, we were going to be, um, uh, directed out along the the back of the 36k course and um, and out so it brought the distance back to 100 kilometers and the elevation back to um, the intended 4k of elevation so it was a but then you know collective sigh of relief that we weren't going to have to run 120 or 180 kilometers but at the same time that that again stuffed up what we had put in drop bags yeah and um so instead of my first drop bag being at 33K, it was at 13K. And nobody needs a drop bag at 13 kilometres, you know. Um, and and so it was very much a, 
yeah, it's kind of you had to problem solve even more so than what you would normally in a ultra run. You had to problem solve even more on the fly, and I think that's like that was hard. That was a real struggle for me, um, being, like I said, relatively inexperienced at this kind of this kind of thing. Like this is yes, this is my third ultra, like my third hundred k this year, but it is only my third hundred k, and it's not like I've done, you know, a dozen of them over the last four years and built up a lot of experience, you know. Yeah. So, um, so that made. Yeah, like even before we started, it was just oh, I don't, I don't you know, you just. It, it, I got to the point where I was like, whatever, <laughs> whatever the fuck, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just can we just start already? It's just let's stop thinking about things, and I will think about this later. You know, I will yeah. worry about what's in my drop bags when I get there, kind of thing. So, so it turned it on its head, and instead of being something that had climbing, sort of. Uh, dispersed all the way through it, I guess, with the with you know the 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 first um, alteration to the course, it made it so that it was actually quite runnable for the first thirty kilometers. Dangerous, which is dangerous, yeah, <laughs> like a, a dangerous, absolutely. And so I sort of you know there was people, I was very much nestled in a in a you know in amongst a lot of other runners, hikers. Right from the beginning, um, which was nice. I was like, oh, I'm going to get left behind. That was just, I'm so, I'm going to be at the end, whatever, you know, I'll be last. That's fine. I was, it wasn't a problem. Like that wasn't, a, but I was actually kind of surprised because, and I think it was just, you know, you underestimate just how conservative you need to be at the beginning of a miler. Yeah. Um, and so it was actually really good to see that in practice um, from people who, you know, were going to be covering a lot more distance than me, um, that they didn't, you know, they took the first 10Ks, 15Ks very easily, you know, they they were at my pace. So that was, they were, you know, they were taking it pretty easy, I think. These are people who have done UTMB and people who have done, you know, people who are, who who look like and I know looks aren't everything but they looked experienced and they sounded experienced when they were talking about the races that they were doing um, that they had done and um, how they came to sort of be up on challenge so um, so yeah so it was you know they're like oh yeah we got all day literally got all day <laughs> don't rush now don't rush now you regret it later um, and I. Um, yeah, so it was yeah, it was pretty runnable and, and windy and whatnot. And I had turned off my kilometre alarm, yeah. my auto lap. Auto lap, the dreaded auto lap. And, yeah, and so it worked in two ways in that I had no idea. I have no idea where I was at certain, like what, what landmarks I was passing at what distance sort of thing. Yeah. But also that first 30 kilometres went by really quickly, like, you know, because I'm not constantly going, oh, I'm 10K in, oh, I'm 15K in, oh, I'm blah, blah. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm here at this point. Great. So where do I go now? You know, I'm off this way next. Um, okay. And I just I was oblivious to to how long um, 
you know, how long things were taking me. I was kind of just trying to put in a, a steady effort, making sure that I didn't hurt myself trying to, you know, in early in the race, you know, um, but not also, yeah, sort of, I don't know, it was really, it was hard to explain. You just, you're, you're wanting to obviously move with, with purpose, but not, um, not bust yourself yeah. because you know there's some really hard stuff coming when you're going to be really tired. So, um, yeah, it was kind of – but then you get to – I got to that first aid station. I was like, what is in my bag? <laughs> what the <laughs> frick is – why are my pants in my bag? <laughs> God, I, was, I was looking at it and this, this lovely couple had been crewing for somebody doing the 100-miler and they had like two crew – teams because it's such a hard race to crew for because it's the crew that the, the aid stations are so far apart like one of them's a two-hour drive away sort of thing and so you got to be really careful with fatigue and whatnot and so they had two crew teams and because of all the changes they were like well this is us done for the day and it's 13k into the race so, uh, so we thought we'd just stay here and help everybody else which was amazing because they're like oh which bag's yours and da 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 and she said and she, I was looking at in my drop bag and she said is is there something wrong <laughs> she said is this your bag <laughs> I said yeah but what was I thinking when I packed this <laughs> she was like Oh, now don't forget, you would have packed this expecting to see it at 33 kilometres, not at 13K. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Well, I'll drink that and I'll eat that and, but, oh, I don't know, I, best, I, I guess I'll take these extra pants with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I put them in there for a reason. I guess I'll take them with me. So I carried an extra pair of my Run Faster tights with me till the next drop bag, which was at 42 kilometres. So... I don't know, you know, it was just one of those things. It was like, I don't, I just don't even, I couldn't think. I couldn't, you know, I was, I felt a bit overwhelmed by that stage. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think, one, yeah, the, one of the questions that Kylie wanted to know was how was your, how did your mindset change from the start to the finish? A big question yeah it is a big question um I think going into it it was just a like I said it was just a whatever let's just get started kind of thing let's just you know I'm sick of all the changes and let's just let's get just get underway so um it's sort of a like there was a really you know you feel really positive at the start um and I think then the first time I realised that I was dead set last um, was just after we left that 13K mark and um, that first aid station and I realised that I was last. And it was just a little bit of a reaffirming to myself that it's okay, yeah, it's totally fine. Um, you're just going to have to pay more attention to where you're going uh, because there's, you know, comes to a branch in the road or, you know, the markers are not always glaringly obvious, um, like the, you know, the track signs and things like that. So, all right, you're just going to have to just, you know, check your map and um, and just pay attention and, you know, be a bit more switched on uh, rather than just following the people, you know, 50 metres ahead of you or whatever, like, yeah. I, you know. And then... Um, 
and then oh, that was sort of challenged again when the sweep caught up to me. And that was, um, you know, in the first 25K. So between that first aid station and the next aid station, the sweep caught up to me. And I had to pop some Panadol because my right glute thing was giving me grief. And I was like, I just, um, it's too early. It's too early for that to hurt. So I'm just going to take some Panadol and see what happens. Um, And um, it wasn't affecting my stride or anything like that or the way that I was moving, but it was just it was an awareness, there was this yeah. ache and it was just, just playing this, on your mind. Yeah, and and I kind of, it felt like my leg wasn't at 100% power. Yeah. Um, but I was still able to move along, you know, still still walking along really, you know, quickly. Um, and this guy caught up to me and I had moved aside because I thought it was, I don't know, I'd gotten muddled up in my head where the 60K runners might be. I had no idea what time of day it was. I wasn't paying attention to distance. So I I thought it was like the first, the front runner guy for the 60K race. (laughs) He was still well away. You know, they hadn't even started. Yeah, they would have been still two hours behind us. So so that wasn't actually possible, but, um, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to think too deeply about that, but I just moved off the track and turned around to say hello to him and, you know, indicate that I was going to give him space to overtake me. And he said, oh, are you part of this event? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, okay, I'm the sweep. (laughs) Oh, what, really? Am I that slow? And he goes, no, 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 you're fine. It's just I wanted to make sure that you were the last person in the event and I wasn't just following some random hiker (laughs) out for a stroll on the high plains. Oh, that's okay. He said, I'll move back and, you know, I'll give you some space. He said, you got, you, you know, you're not anywhere near cutoffs or anything. That's fine. Um, and I said, oh, no, 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 let's have a chat. I haven't spoken to anyone for ages. So, you know, um, that's cool. We can have a – I said, I'm sure I'll be spending time with you later, so we should probably get to know each other now. <laughs> and I thought, why? There's no point being um, – even jokingly rude about don't come anywhere near me or anything like that. I just thought, well, you know, he can have someone to talk to too because it's a long day out for him not getting to speak to anybody (laughs) between aid stations as well. So we had a good chat and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And um, turns out he'd been the suite for Oscars last year. So he knew a lot of the Oscars course as well. Um, He made a joke that perhaps I could, you know that that I was choosing all the all the hard races to 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 you know in, um, introduce myself to 100k <laughs> events. So, um, but so that was nice. And then um, catching up to people who had been in front of me who were slowing down that was nice um, for me, not necessarily for them. But um, I had made a deal with myself that, um, and this does relate to my you know, where I was at mentally, um, I had made a deal with myself that I wasn't, that it was very much I was running, hiking my own race. Yeah. I wasn't going to wait for anybody unless they were in trouble and obviously then you would, but I wasn't going to slow myself down to accommodate somebody else's pace. I wasn't going to um, be held up, I guess, um, 
by um, sort of tucking in with somebody else just for the company or, or whatever because it feels safer. So yeah. I wanted to... Um, so I wanted to challenge myself that way. So like I would catch up with people, we'd hold pace for a few minutes and then um, then I would pass them and, you know, we'd sort of leapfrog for, you know, on and off for over the, the, the day kind of thing. But it was – so it was a bit of a challenge actually to sort of say to people, oh, do you mind if I pass? Like because you know you're leaving that person out there by themselves as well. Yeah. Um, but they're not in trouble. It's not like you're leaving them in a vulnerable position or or anything um but but to have the confidence within myself to say i'm sorry uh, you know do you mind i'll just sneak past you if you know next time it's safe or or whatever um rather than doing what is just would be easier or more comfortable yeah doing um so you know there was lots of little mental challenges along the way from that point of view um there was um, some people who had essentially talked themselves out of continuing and they um, that I passed and then they sort of, you know, I figured they, they'd pulled out. Um, there was um, – and then I, I had climbed out of the valley coming up towards Mount Hotham and um, it was really hot. It was really hot in the valley and sort of I'd taken it easy enough going up the hill. There was more people who got to the top of the hill and – the heat had had an effect on them. So all of a sudden you go from being by yourself to, oh, there's five other people here. Um, and um, so that's kind of a bit of a boost, seeing other people and seeing that maybe you're in better shape than some other people. Like it sounds, it sounds a little bit, now that I say it out loud, it sounds a little bit ungrateful or, I don't know, um, uh, I think, yeah. though, it's just it's not really anything to do with them. It's just that when you're going into something and you're feeling inexperienced and then you find that you're sort of like catching up to people or you're keeping up with people, yeah, it just makes and, you feel like, oh, maybe body. I am better prepared for this than what I thought. Yeah, it's a little confidence boost, I guess, along the way to think, well, at least it's not me. Like, I, you know, I managed that, that hard bit well. Yeah. You know, I managed my body and the conditions appropriately, um, you know, that taking it slower and allowing my heart rate to come down in between bursts of effort was the right thing to do because he's vomiting and I'm not. Um, or, you know, like it's just these little boosts to your confidence along the way that help your mental state. Um, yeah, particularly you know, when that, you're dealing with, you know, like sound like it was very hot and yeah. you've got that combined with the the length of time and the sort of the fueling potential dehydration situation could easily make people sick. Yeah, absolutely. And the heat and the you know the increased effort in the heat. You know, it's just when your heart's pounding and you're trying to get up a hill, and um, you know it's um, it's a significant climb and all that sort of stuff. It, it like the heat is harder to cope with than the cold, I think. Um, So, yeah, it was, you know, it's kind of a little tick in the box. It's like, yeah, I'm managing this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm doing my my hydrations, you know, on point, my feelings on point, like I'm, you know, I'm ticking boxes and it's like a little mental boost along the way that you're, you know, that you are 
capable and you can do this because you are doing it um, and nothing's come undone yet. So, um, and it's, so yeah, so it was really good and, and to sort of get, um, it got a bit harder. I think like I just sort of, I stayed really focused and positive um, for a long time. I think the next big challenge sort of came when it got dark. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, um, I was pretty happy with how I sort of like, I, you know, there's people dropping out and there's like, I'm tired and I'm sore. It's like, well, yeah, but I came here to do, I came here to do hundred K. So I'm not like, it didn't, it, I was unwavering in that determination to, um, keep going, um, for, you know, probably, until I got to about 17 kilometres from the end. <laughs> um, and it wasn't a necessarily a, a, yeah, like the, the hard part came when it was, when it was dark. Like the, it wasn't, and it wasn't until, because one of the most technical parts of the event was for me going to be happening in the dark. Um, and that was uh, after you uh, ascend Mount Feathertop Um uh, which I was kind of glad I was doing in the dark because it's quite a steep, rocky, sort of precarious kind of um, challenging uh, last kilometre to the summit and I was having a bit of a freak out doing it in the in the dark um, because I could just see, well, there's the shadow of the mountain <laughs> and then there's nothing <laughs> and there's that tiny little track. <laughs> this is like I'm, you know, at, at some points on the climb up there, got three points of contact kind of thing with one hand on a rock, you know, both hands on both feet on the ground and, you know, poles in the other hand kind of thing. So it was, there was, there was a, a moment where I sat down and I had a cry and I said, I don't want to, I don't want to climb up there because I know how hard it's going to be to climb back down. Yeah. And, so I had a minute, there was a convenient rock to sit on and, you know, put my head in my hands and had a little ten, bit of a tamper, bit of a tantrum and um, just said, I don't want to, I just, I don't want to. And then, but then I thought, well, but I have to, um, <laughs> I can't go back down there and pull out now. Like that's, that's not, that's not an option. Um, so it was a, um, you know, a sort of a, reaffirming of what you know that that um that it was okay and uh that I would just take it slow and I had a really good head torch and I had my sticks and I was going to concentrate really hard and I was just going to do it at my own pace and just one step at a time and that was the conversation that I had with myself at that point um after I'd had my little tanty about yeah which lasted you know I was sitting on that rock for all of two minutes so that was um a little bit of an emotional release, I guess, and a reset of you've got a job to do. <laughs> you don't have to do it fast, but you do have to do it. Um, and then I was, you know, that the boost of, of accomplishing that, um, that particular bit of the challenge boosted me up until I got to the top of Diamantina Spur, which was the the tricky part. The, you know, it's this three and a half kilometer stretch, um, this d uh, descent down a spur, which in daylight 
takes an experienced hiker an hour and a half to travel three and a half kilometres. So it took me, I don't even know how long it took me. It took me a really long time. (laughs) And it was just frustrating. And it was, you know, you're going downhill on sore toes and, you know, Uh, it's just horrible. Um, I lost the track at one point and I was standing there and I was, my stomach was rumbling and I was like, oh, just, I'm going to just, I'm going to have to have something to eat and then I'm going to go back to where I last saw the track. I know it's around here somewhere. It has to be. <laughs> I'm not far, you know, looking at the, the blue map dot on my, on my um, Avenza map, I'm like, I'm literally on the outer edge of that line that I'm supposed to be on. So it can't be far away. Um, and... Um, so, but it was, you know, it was a problem solving. I just got to eat and then I'll go back and find out where I am. You know, I'll try again kind of thing. But I think that just the tediousness of that, um, wore me down a little bit and you're starting to get really fatigued. And then I, the sweeps caught me up. They had, they had left early. They, they were not, I was not the last person at that stage. There was one lady behind me, but they'd left early to make sure that I got down Diamantina Spur safely, which was super duper lovely of them. And it would have taken me longer had they not been with me. Um, And, um, and so we crossed the river and I I did get a little bit disorientated um, after that. And I had misheard what, I didn't hear correctly what somebody, what the sweep had told me, um, and I, I missed the first turn off to get to where the track that we were going on. But there was a second turn off, and I took that. So I sort of lost probably about I don't know 15 minutes because I went the long way around. Um, <laughs> but I ended up in the same place. So. Um, and interestingly, they were far enough behind me and, and lovely and giving me space, but they were far enough behind me that they didn't realise that I had missed the turn off until we met at the fork, at the next fork in the trail. And they said, oh, you went that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, okay, moving on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of whatever. Um, oops. Uh, and then I realised that I had um, just I'd misread the map even though like I thought my blue dot was wrong, but in fact I was wrong and the blue dot was right. <laughs> but I think it was, so that was, you know, that sort of woke me up a little bit in that, by that stage, you know, God knows it was probably one o'clock in the morning. And when you think about, I'd been awake for nearly 24 hours because I'd woken up at one thirty in the morning on the Saturday. Um, so yeah, you're fatigued, you're tired, like, you're not just tired from being awake for 24 hours. You're tired from all the stuff you've been doing as well. Yeah. Um, and I then I started to get, it was sort of that last climb. Joe had warned me that it was not as innocent looking as it appeared, um, but I was unprepared for just how tough that last climb would be and it, there was there was tears. <laughs> there was lots of tears. There was lots of stopping to have tantrums. Um, you know, I probably would have stopped maybe five times to just say, "Well, this is stupid. This is just fucking stupid. This is <laughs> who does stupid this? Hobby. You know, what, what am I doing here?" And I thought I was going to miss the cutoff. 
so I was struggling mentally with that, that not only was I tired, um, but I was, thought I was going to get pulled from the race. I thought that for all this effort, I wasn't going to make it. And so I was having a, I was, I was really struggling mentally at that point. That was probably my lowest, my lowest point mm. in the whole race. Because, yeah, it was a really sort of overgrown technical kind of bit. It was just seemed to be never ending. You would walk for 20 minutes and you would barely be moving and um, you just didn't, nothing, it just didn't seem to be getting any closer. You've got no concept of time because it's the middle of the night. Um, I haven't got my kilometre beeps going off, so I don't even know how far I've gone unless I'm stopping to look at my watch constantly, which I didn't want to do. And then... So it was the real, that was a huge mental struggle. And I finally got up to the pole line and, and came, you know, close to the next aid station and um, and I was crying <laughs> coming, walking along because I could see that the lights in the distance, but you've got no depth perception because it's pitch black. Yeah. And they were sort of bobbing in the wind. I thought someone was coming to get me. <laughs> <laughs> please go get me, please go. Somebody please go get me. I've been a lot, you know, I hadn't spoken to anyone for probably two hours at this stage, two and a half hours since I'd last had a conversation with somebody. And I had spent a really long time by myself over the course of the day. So I was kind of getting a little bit desperate for company. And um, I just wanted somebody to walk out and walk me into the aid station. And so I'm having a little cry. I stepped in a puddle, which I was shitty about because, you know, I managed to get 85 kilometres into this race and not had wet feet and <laughs> just this fucking puddle. And then all of a sudden I was there and I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> this is a bit. <laughs> and, you know, the first thing out of my mouth was, did I make it? You know, did I, did I make it in time? And they said, oh, didn't you know they've completely changed the cutoffs? And because I thought I was an hour behind the cutoff and I thought they were going to not only pull me off the course but make me walk home anyway, like yeah. and give me a DNF and I was still going to have to cover 90 or 100K. And they said, no, 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 you're, you're fine. I was, I sobbed with relief. I was so, I didn't realise how frightened I was that that mm. somebody was going to tell me how much it meant to me until that point like I just didn't realize how much um yeah it was there were tears of relief that's for sure so um you know and then it was just it was once I got over that I held it together for the next 15k which is um three hours of walking three and a half, four, maybe, yeah, three and a half hours of walking, maybe four hours of walking to get back. So it was quarter past three in the morning at that point because I remember looking at my phone and knowing that I was an hour and 15 minutes behind what I thought the cutoff was um, and, um, and I finished at 10 to 7. So, yeah, it was, you know, three and a half hours of, of walking to go. And I was pretty pleased with myself that I didn't sob the whole, whole way home. Like I was just tried to stay focused. That was one of my goals actually to not spend the last 10K in tears because that's what I did at UTA. Like I spent the last, you know, 
10 kilometres, which was probably three hours worth in tears as, you know, coming up out of the valley. And I was just so tired and overwhelmed by everything that, that I just I couldn't help it. I was just crying <laughs> constantly. So, you know, I'd sort of, I, and I'd said to Joe on the Friday, I said, I just, because when we had, thought, when I thought I was going to have to do 120K and I was like, I just, I just didn't want the last 10K to hurt as much as, UTA did. I didn't want to just survive this. I wanted to finish with my mental state intact, you know, my emotional state intact. So that was, like, I was really proud of myself. Yeah, there was a, you know, the odd sort of, I stood up the top of Mount McKay and I, you know, I felt like I, Joe had made me promise that I would wing her when I got to the top of Mount McKay because that's 5K from the end. And she would come and meet me at the finish line. And my thoughts were, I'm not going to ring her um, because I don't want her to see me finish um, because I don't deserve it because it's taken me so long. And so I'm standing up there and I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) that's not a rational thought. (laughs) Did you have any inkling before then, like, that that was a thought that you would have or was it just something that happened through all of the emotion and exhaustion? I think it was just a result of the the fatigue and the emotional strain of it, the, you know, the the mental strain of it Mm. and that you, I think it's sort of indicative of the, the default that my brain goes to when things are, it just goes back to the, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I'm going to go and eat worms kind of thing. Like, you know, that that place where your brain goes and you start shit-talking yourself and, you know, well, it's – it's and it was just – I recognize, I thought to myself, that's ridiculous, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to call it. Don't be stupid. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's that was that was where my brain went. And I, so I thought, have something to eat. So I had a Mars bar and I was watching the sunrise and the first two men had just of the hundred mile had only just overtaken me, um, so I knew, like I was trying to reassure myself with actual truths, not just continuing to continuing to pile shit on myself. Because you know when you when you're feeling um, vulnerable and tired and whatever else, it's kind of easy just to keep telling yourself those untruths you know those those mistruths about about what your effort is like and and all that sort of stuff and I was like those guys are four hours behind the course record you know and they've only just overtaken me with six kilometers to go but that is you know that tells me that you know, I was I was sort of awake enough to be able to um had a presence of mind to be able to sort of rationalize that my effort was not poor you know that 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 at least I was still going and it didn't matter the time you know the time didn't matter and remember what my goals were and all that sort of thing that that um that my goal was to finish and here I was I was going to finish I was only 5k from the end so I had my little bar of chocolate I took a pretty photo I pinched myself and said how amazing is this that I get to stand up here and see this you know I've seen it at sunset with Joe when when I was pacing her for the miler we had a sunset together up on top of Mount McKay so to be able to have my own sunrise up there was you know it 
I was able to turn that into a special thing for me. Yeah. I had something to eat and I promised, as I promised her, I called her. I said, don't rush. <laughs> There's no running happening. <laughs> um, and she, you know, but it was sort of, it would have been really easy to sort of sabotage myself and turn things into a really, and then get to the finish line. There's no one, no one's here. No one cares. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just, it's it's incredible the way that your brain can just, I don't know, just sabotage yourself. It, you is, just, it is interesting what comes up when you get like completely stripped back by, you know, being yeah. in that sort of state of exhaustion and being, you know, emotionally spent and everything, everything yeah. else. Like sometimes it can really take you by surprise, like what the thought pattern is and you would be like, wow, that's still there. <laughs> yeah, that's still all that work I've done to, to, to try and turn that kind of um, self-talk around you know that that is the learned behaviors learned patterns of behaviors from you know way back when you know that that have been there for 30 something years um you know those patterns that the, the you're still vulnerable to them and it the mental the mental side of it is just as hard if not harder than the physical the physical aspect of it you know it's um it was yeah, it was surprising. I was like, oh, don't be stupid. What are you what are you talking about? Don't not not berating myself, but sort of just don't even, you know, that's not even a thing. That's not real. That's not real talk. That's not that's not how things are. So just don't. Don't even go there. You know, you can just walk that back right now. <laughs> kind of thing. And and it's all it's all part of, like it's all a process and it's all um, you know, I think that's um, yeah, it was, there's little things that I, um, that you just don't even realise that are floating there just under the surface a lot of the time that, um, but yeah, but I think that was, yeah, that, that the hardest part for me was that last climb, uh, up to the plains and, um, you know, in the middle of the night when your body's just at that lowest lowest ebb, you know, with your circadian rhythms and you're hungry and you're tired and, you know. So that was, I think, like someone asked me the other day, what did you think about? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was just so, I was so completely in the moment for that long period of time that I don't, like there was times where all I was thinking about was the fact that I was just still moving forward um and you're so busy thinking about things like um don't forget to eat don't forget to drink um no i haven't though my feet feel good um no that thing in my hip that that glute thing that's fine at the moment look out for snakes uh, we turn down here at the river when we get to the river i'm going to fill up my water bottles um blah 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 like that internal dialogue where you are just so absorbed in the doing of the thing there's not actually much else, not actually room for much else to no. be going on. So it's not like a do you get bored out there. It's like I don't have time to get bored. I'm busy. I'm really busy when I'm out <laughs> there. I'm busy as fuck. <laughs> you know, it's um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers Kylie's question. It's a very so. long-winded way of saying, of, of answering Kylie's question, but it's, um, but it's certainly 
you know, except for that wobble, like I just tried to stay focused and positive and, yeah, and just, just um, that end goal was always in my mind. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with a lady who pulled out at the 60K mark. She had announced to me that she was pulling out and I was like, said, no, let's not talk about it now. I said, let's talk about it when we get to, to Harrietville. And um, I was thinking, and I, I, and I was sort of, I don't, I don't know whether she was looking to me for, or to anybody, not necessarily me, but just to somebody else for a validation of why she was pulling out or whatever, and, or, or that she might have been looking for a reason to continue on and whatnot. And and I just sort of, sort of took a step back from that, and I said, don't take me into consideration at all. You continue or don't continue for your own reasons. And she was, you know, I said, she said, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, I, I, word for word, I said to her, I came here to run a hundred K. I'm not done yet. You know, it's, <laughs> I've, I've still got some, I've, you know, I'm going to keep going. It's, I'm not done yet. So, um, that was my focus the whole way. This is what I came here to do. This is what I wanted. This is exactly what I signed up for was to be feeling like this and yeah. to be finding that thing within me that helps me keep going. So, um, you know, it's, and it's, yeah. Did you it's find it to, a big difference going from, because you had crew at UTA, yeah? Yes, that was hard. That was really hard to think for yourself. Um, like there's lovely aid station volunteers and whatnot, but um, they're giving out very generalised advice, comments, you know, things like that. Um, if I had somebody who said to me, um, don't be stupid, you're taking your fleece. <laughs> when I was at the top of Mount Hotham, when I was at Lock Car Park, I'd needed somebody who said to me, who, to say to me, take it just in case. You just don't know what the weather's going to do because I regretted not having it. Yeah. I wished I'd had it. There was about 10 kilometres there where I was thinking fleece would be nice right now, you know. <laughs> um, that was a deal. That was, that, was a, that was an amateur move, not bringing my fleece, um, you know. But that's okay. Like I wasn't dire. I wasn't desperate. But, um, but it was um, – it wouldn't have taken much for it to become a big problem. Yeah. Um, and I was in just completely at the mercy of the weather because of it. So, um, yeah. So I, I think having somebody um, and with the course changes, not that we, you know, not that you know that they're going to happen and not that you're going to, you know, you can't anticipate all the things like you anticipate a fair bit, but not everything. So having to, do the extra thinking at the aid stations because I had just anticipated um, doing a swap with my food, any food I haven't eaten, taken out, put, take out and put back in my drop bag. The food that's in the bag from in my drop bag to take from here goes into my pack. But that all changed because there was a greater, you know, there was, there was, there had been all these, um, um, you know, uh, variables pop up and mm. all these changes come come around. So there was a lot of thinking required 
um, I know Jo had written lists of everything that she needed to take with her, so she just sort of referred back to those lists and um, and that in hindsight was probably really would have been a really smart thing to do. Um, so while I wasn't as disorganised as some people, I was certainly could have been more organised um, but it would have I think having somebody at the aid station to think for you and to make the rational decisions that need to be made um, is absolutely it's 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 a fantastic thing to have but uh, by the same token you can't always have a crew and you can't yeah. always so you do and if you want to run long races then you need to be able to learn how to think for yourself so I think given you know, given the circumstances, it was a really it was a fantastic learning experience from that point of view. Um, like nothing went hugely wrong. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't what well, didn't end up in trouble or anything like that. But there's areas that I can. But no chicken sandwiches. There was no chicken sandwiches. Mm. <sighs> but there was hot two minute noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Ariatville, which was probably the best two-minute noodles I've had, I don't know, since I was about 15 years old. So <laughs> they used to be a regular part of my diet. Um, so that was, um, yeah, so I think there was a, there is a big, big difference between having a crew and not having a crew. Um, so, and look, no, you know, having said that, even yourself, um, other people volunteered to to come and crew so it wasn't that it was a lack of people who were willing to do it um but it was you know logistically it's a really difficult race to crew for and it's also really difficult race to get to and you know it's it's an expensive um race to get to as somebody who's not racing you know it's expensive enough to go as a participant let alone if you're just if you're going just to drive around after somebody and feed them chicken sandwiches. So, you know, it's um, it, it's sort of a I'm not sure that I can ask people to do that kind of a scenario. Um, Good to know that you can do it unsupported. It, absolutely, you know, for, absolutely. For, like, future adventures because it's obviously it's great to have the, uh, the support but it does sort of, like, widen – adventure possibilities if you're also capable of going without absolutely yeah for sure and I think um you know weekends like UTA where where there's lots of people around anyway um you know that people are there for other distances and and whatnot that that is um obviously lends itself a little bit more to yeah and it's relatively easy to get to you know like it's not that far from Sydney yeah yeah absolutely and and it's sort of um you know, and it adds to the sort of festive kind of weekend community sort of feel that the that the you know that ultra trail has that UTA has. So I mean, this was lovely in that their volunteers are very very helpful and and they're not stretched, um, you know, uh, time wise because there's only might be two or three people at my you know when when I got there there was only me and two others at the aid station there was three volunteers there so we had someone getting us hot noodles we had somebody else giving us watermelon somebody else filling up our water bottles it was like it was fantastic but yeah um um but all the thinking for you for your race had to happen from you so that was that's the challenge and and I guess as you get more experience 
you become less fatigued during the race, hopefully. Um, <laughs> you know, as you bank all those training hours and all that cumulative effect of all that training and, you know, you, you it's like you're trying to compare the first time you run a half marathon to the 12th time you run a half marathon. Like there's no, you know, it's you're two very different runners in the, you know, um, because of all the training that you've put in and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, so the same thing could be said of the first time you do 100K versus the 10th time you do 100K. Like it's, you know, you've got all that experience that builds up that is never wasted. So, um, uh, and hopefully improve fitness over time and, you know, all that sort of stuff so that it becomes easier to, to know what you need to do at what point, you know, at certain points in the race. So, but I didn't even bother checking, <laughs> even looking at my 90 kilometer, uh, you know, drop bag. <laughs> so I, was like, I, don't, I literally don't need anything out of there. There was only, you know, a handful of gel, like maybe two gels and a packet of nuts and, and a soda water. I was too cold to stop. I was too tired to stop. It was dark. There was nobody there. And I was just not interested in mucking around. So yeah. there was no reason to stop as far as I was aware. So, but, um, but yeah. Um, The other thing uh, was also uh, wanting to know what the, like the comparison between your UTA 100 experience and Uh, this one, which I mean, it's probably, it's, it's probably a lot because it's like the courses be so different. It's, they're just so different. They like they're both mountain races, but they they couldn't be further apart in likeness. They really couldn't. It's just they are so very very different. Um you've got UTA which is marked 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 so well. <laughs> <laughs> extensively you would have to be trying hard to get lost at uta which would be very yep. comforting for people who are using yep. that as their first time absolutely doing it's an a, ultra distance or yep. something like absolutely. that absolutely yeah very comforting <laughs> yeah and to know that there's two thousand other people on that course with you yeah is very comforting absolutely you, you just literally cannot take a, a wrong foot there but and you don't actually have to think. I think there was one point, one point only in the whole 100K course where I had to think, oh, which way do I go? <laughs> you just can't get lost. It's just, it's nearly impossible. Um, but that's, you know, that's that's that race, whereas this one specifically says this is not a, this, this, mark, this course is not well marked. You, we need to know how to navigate with a compass and a map. You need to know how to do X, Y, and Z. You know, this is not for the, you know, this is not for the the, the novice trail runner. This is for experienced um, trail runners. And there's, you know, you have to sort of. Um, yeah, and it's, it's it, that it, they have information like that. Like I know. Like in some of the promotional stuff, I've seen uh, like Surf Coast Century advertise as a great race for beginners. Yep. Yeah. And um, and I think that you know, so many times when I've been researching uh, races for people I coach, just to sort of get a sense of like how technical is this, you know, like because you can't yeah. see. There's a lot you can't see from looking at an elevation map. 
absolutely yeah always really good with you know with sort of information so that you can make like a really good decision about like what is sort of what is going to be a good fit and what is going to be like not never but maybe not right now yeah absolutely absolutely and it's you know this is not something I would have dreamed of having as my first 100k run um like I knew that I knew that the elevation would be fine. It's got less elevation than UTA. I think UTA is 4,400. 4, 4, this was 4,000 roughly. Um, I knew uh, and Oscars was 5,700 metres of elevation. Um, but Oscars, you know, it's a little bit different again in that it's a two-day effort, not a continuous effort. So this kind of changes things a little bit, but it's um, – so I knew that, like, the elevation wasn't a concern, you know, for, for me. But, um, but yeah, there's sort of the the uh, remoteness of it, yeah. I guess, and the the fact that I was, you know, that you're going to be, you know, doesn't matter who you are, where you're running, unless you've got somebody that you've agreed to run with, there's a good chance you're going to be spending a fair bit of time by yourself out on the trail. Yeah. Um, because there's, you know, there's there's only at any given time, there's a maximum of 110 other people on the course at the same time as you, um, and 70 of those people are going to be spearing off and doing, you know, a different part of the course or another loop. In our in our case, it was another loop of that 60k loop, um, but it's sort of um, um, yeah. So it, it's very different in that point of view you know there was <laughs> the finish line experience is very very different to what you get at UTA um, and I know a lot of people you know a lot of people love UTA because of the finish line experience um, I had Joe at the finish line um, and the guy who was manning the finish line and that was it <laughs> that's it <laughs> so and the guys the guys who won the the, the guy who won the um, Nikolai, I think his name is the guy who won the hundred miler. He didn't have very many more people at the finish line, so you know that was um, there's some consolation that it doesn't matter whether you're first <laughs> or last. There's you know, you are not there for the finish line glory. Um, the medal is not why you do it. The medal probably you know it's probably the tackiest, lightest piece of whatever that I've ever <laughs> given on a finish line you're not there for the you know you're not there for the size of the bling and the impressiveness of the the medal it's um if you're after a big medal go to UTA <laughs> go <laughs> you know it's not it's 100% not about the medal and it's not about the finish line welcome um it's very low-key in that respect um so you know, that's another one of the differences at um, UTA and, and AC. And uh, they just couldn't be more different. They really couldn't. They're just the experience, the atmosphere. UTA is an incredibly professional, professionally put together um, you know, and, and will only continue to be, be that you know, with Ironman running it now because it is just, you know, they've got whole teams dedicated to 
you know, finish line experience dedicated to, you know, logistics dedicated to all those different aspects of the trail run. Mm. Whereas, you know, Paul and a bunch of volunteers who are running, who are running Alpine Challenge and the Alpine Challenge search and rescue teams um, and the, you know, people who are volunteering at aid stations out of the goodness of their, their hearts because this is the kind of fun thing they like to do on weekends. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, and it's really, it's really low key and it's really lovely in that it, you know, in that it, it, it's, um, it's probably more of a grassroots kind of experience than what you'd get at, at UTA. So, um, and I think there's a, you're a lot, I don't know, the, the Alpine region makes it a little bit more precarious weather-wise you know, it can either be really hot like it was this year or snowing like it was last year, you know, and they had um, course alterations because of the snow. So I know it can be, you know, May in the Blue Mountains is not exactly the, um, you know, you're not talking about picturesque weather or anything like that, but it's it's either raining or it's cold or it's both. It's yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> it just, it, there's only so many things that are going to happen weather-wise kind of things in, in the in UTA. Um, but I guess, like, oh, yeah, there's no, there's, there's really no similarities except for the fact that you're signing up to run 100K. Um, yeah. So um, so that's, it, it's, yeah, you couldn't get two more different events, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, uh I think that uh, I, th I think that, that those things also sort of tend to build on themselves, like with UTA because it's been so popular for for so long. It gets more popular, and mm. then it gets more professionalised, and you yeah, know, um, and uh, all of all of that sort of sort of stuff. So it does tend to become its sort of its own. Yeah, it sort of yeah, it provides its own um, yeah, it's, it provides its own momentum, I guess, in that kind of respect. Um, and look, this little event is growing each year as well, you know. But it's um, uh, and it's amazing that there's you know how many people there are who who sign up to that kind of yeah, thing I mean, because they it's have not their own like, uh, and having done some of the. Um, some of the local trails, trail events up here, which is similar, like, uh, in that, mm. you know, like it's just put on by the community, you're not getting a medal and, yeah. you know, like it's just whoever happens to be at the finish line when you make it across. Um, yeah. But I think too for, you know, like there are so many people who get, like a little bit of event anxiety, which is not necessarily related to the distance, just related to like that many people and, you know, yeah, like the particularly with something like UTA, if you're doing one of the uh, shorter distances on offer where it can be really quite jam-packed in terms of the amount of people, you yeah. know, like it can be a much more pleasant experience for somebody who gets a bit anxious about that to go to a community event where it's just less people. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's you know, like I've done a, quite a few community, like smaller community events um, in Canberra, and it's, you know, it and it is they don't you get a might get a clap from three or four people as you finish the, you know, cross the the timing mat kind of thing, hand your bib in and go and get your egg and bacon roll, 
<laughs> but you have to hand your beer bin before you get it because that gives you then they give you time you because know, they reuse it because it's you know it's not a it, souvenir it isn't when I did um, that it's a when, token for a burger <laughs> when I did the 10k at uh, Ballina when yeah. I finished like they gave me a like a number two steak of some kind that I had to go then hand in and yeah. when I was handing in my bib and my steak um they uh said oh so what time did you finish in roughly <laughs> they had to check <laughs> so you're your own timekeeper I as well, was my own timekeeper yeah it's awesome and look at you know it's um from little things big things grow um and these those sort of smaller community events are amazing for supporting local communities and um you know rural fire brigade sort of stuff and you know all that sort of thing and it bringing people who love to run um you know together but um and it's it doesn't have to be about the size of the event and mm. the um, atmosphere and the amount of people who are going to cheer you across the finish line, um, that, you know, it, it is uh, really – it just brings back down to the fact that it's about community, it's about your own personal effort, and it's um, got not much to do with anybody else. So, um, you know, and it's just running. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's really humbling and it's it's really nice to re be reminded of the fact that the only person you really do it for is yourself. So, um, yeah, but it's, um, but there was lots of, it was a fantastic opportunity for, for lots of learning and getting experience and things like that and realising that these are some things that need to change, you know, or moving forward, this is what I'd like to do and, you know, all what, that sort what of. What are the things that you and your coach would sort of take forward into the next batch of um, training, do you think? Look, I had a really, a really, I'm really, really happy with the training cycle that I had and I don't think I'd change. I don't think um, either of us would change mm -hmm. anything necessarily. Um, it was... Um, uh, yeah, like it was, you know, learning experience for both of us from that point of view, her getting used to, to me as an athlete and me getting used to her as, as a coach and the way that she programs and all that sort of stuff and the things that she'd make me do, which was challenging in itself because I'd been, been used to a certain style for, you know, previous 18 months, 20 months. So it was um, challenging to be asked to do certain things uh, that I hadn't done for a while. Uh, so it sort of pushed me um push me along in more more than just the physical running way um i think um it was kind of a jump in the deep end way of getting to know each other because <laughs> we literally you know it was like i need a coach right now <laughs> and i've got to start training right now for this event that you know so it was sort of 16 weeks of get to know you but also training for this event so it was you know hats off to her for, for doing such a good job there but um it was um i think going forward she probably would say that i'm more capable than i think i am mm -hmm. and that i give myself credit for in certain areas and um but at the same time, like I, I can appreciate that, um, like what I that I'm that I'm really proud of what I did and what yeah. I achieved and all that sort of thing. I'm not 
sort of saying, oh, I was shit and I was so slow and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it was um, I feel really proud of my efforts and, and you know, uh, and I, I have the perspective that I know that it's just one day at the end of a training cycle. It's not the defining moment. Yeah. The training cycle I got a lot from um, and I was, you know, like I said, I was really happy with it. So that's um, training-wise I don't think much is going to change just yet. It's going to be a matter of wait and see how I recover and moving into the new year. Um, there's things that I need that I've – not that I need, that I have decided that um, that I need to change, I guess. One of them is um, to take a more maintenance – body maintenance view to appointments with my osteo mm -hmm. and – you know, getting – so instead of going to her uh, when I'm broken, <laughs> to actually go to her on a regular basis. I'm not sure to, that you can do that. Like I don't think that you can just go whenever you feel like it. You can only go once you've really buggered something up, can't you? Yeah. Well, I've got some <laughs> things that, like, coming out of it <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, like, well, for me it's like, well, it's been something I've been wanting to do and I've kind of – short straw myself in that I've um diminished my efforts in my and you know what I'm trying to do and that I don't need that and in fact I think I you know when I'm when I think about what I do during my week and how much I you know what running I do and gymming and all that and the fact that I'm not like you know it's it's I'm not getting any – my body is not getting any younger necessarily that instead of just going and, you know, carrying an injury for a week or two while I wait for an appointment, mm. that if I have an ongoing sort of every six weeks I have a check-in and she, you know, um, fixes up my – you know, just yeah. releases my calves and my hips and keeps my shoulders moving, you know, my upper body, you know, it just keeps everything sort of ticking along nicely. Not, you know, I'm not going to go every two or three weeks, but once, you know, once every six weeks to just have that um, to try and stave off, you know, things like what happened with my glute, you know, if I'm going to. Um, uh, so that's something I've sort of, you know, I would like to try for a little while. Um, and a few gear issues I needed better gloves, different gloves. I've bought some merino gloves, really, really light merino gloves because um, my hands were really cold. My gloves were inadequate. Um, I had my jacket was inadequate. It wouldn't, that whole thing of buy the jacket that's going to save your life thing, <laughs> my jacket was not going to save my life. It was, <laughs> it's really light and it's really good for an event where you just have to have a jacket that seems sealed and it's highly unlikely that it's going to rain or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a great one for that because you can literally hold it in your hand and run with it if you want to, you know, if you don't have a pack to put it in. But so I've invested in a, um, a new uh, jacket, um, new ultra, ultimate direction jacket. And I found these new gloves. I just can't remember where I've put them. Um, I took them out of my handbag the other day and I was, thinking this morning at 4.30 when I was awake, where did I put them? Um, and, um, yeah, so there's a few little, you know, um, things that I 
of just little tidbits of information, little bits of learning that I just take on board and um, things that I can fix easily enough but to, you know, take steps to fix easily enough, like having the right gear. Um, it's, you know, it's sort of easy enough to tick off those tick those things off my list and then just continue to have the other things as a work in progress um, over time. But I think it's like it wasn't a near miss or anything. It was just a, wow, this could go pear-shaped quite easily, you know, yeah. with things that are way out of my control because I'd made, either made the wrong decision or I didn't have the right gear with me six hours ago. Um, so, yeah, so it's not. You know, it was nothing hairy and scary, but it was like, oh, <laughs> this is this is not ideal. This is not, you know, I'm I'm cold, and you know, if I if it was raining or if it was really windy, I'd be heading back to that aid station because it, you know, I'd be in trouble for you know pretty quickly if I if I keep going, you know, without taking matters, you know, addressing issues and and whatnot. So. Um, so yeah, but it was um, but that's just kind of. I don't think there's any other. I'm just trying to think if there's any other things that yeah, I would say. Yeah, and I think too with forward. the well, like not with really. body maintenance stuff. I think that it's one of those things where, um, the more time poor you are, the more likely that you are going to need it. Because yep. you know when you're trying to sort of like wedge runs in in between you know, picking up kids and dropping off kids and work and everything else, then you're much more likely to skip, like, say, you know, like post-run rolling or you know, <laughs> you're stretching or you're sort of like isometric holds yep. or you're sort yeah. of, you know, muscular imbalance rehab. And the yep. more those things are skipped, the more imperative it is. Yeah, and they do have, have somebody you know, to do that for you. Yeah. And I, like I said before, there's only so much pain I can willingly inflict on myself through rolling yeah. and, and whatever. So, I, you know, I'm more than happy. I mean, the health, health insurance picks up half the tab, so I'm more than happy to, you know, fork out $30 once every six weeks and, and get um, get my osteo of to poke her steel fingers into my calves and my, you know, glutes and, and whatnot. And, I'm very pleased um, we're getting to the end of the calendar year. So I know, right? It's <laughs> all ready to tick over again. Um <laughs> But, yeah, you know, and even when, you know, like when during periods of injury where my uh, motivation has been low, like mm. sometimes it's worthwhile to sort of like pay that uh, sports massage person or pay that osteo because you're like, look, I know I sh there are maintenance things that I should be doing through the week, but I yep. just do not have the mental headspace to do it. So I'm going to make yep. this appointment. I'm going to show up. They're going to help yep. me out through this period and when I bounce back a bit more and I can take a bit more responsibility for my own body maintenance, then those appointments can be more spread out. But yeah. um, it can be really helpful too in those uh, periods where you're just – where your self-care is just a little bit lower. Than yeah, what, and also, you know, you're, you're so invested in um, – You've got so much energy and time, sort of focused on this goal, and and some and you, I just you, you know, you just can't tick all the boxes all the time, can you? Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've got um the other, you know, work, kids, um, family, sort of, you know, you've just there's only so many things that you can make yourself do in the day, um, 
before you run out of mental energy for that sort of stuff, isn't there? Yeah. So sometimes you have to outsource things. It's like, um, and um, professional uh, probably does a better job of it too. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much that that you know. <laughs> she she does it. She, I'm sure she does a much better job at, at, than I do. And and it's it, yeah. It's um and hopefully because the injuries that I've had in the last two years have been just things where I've been doing something not that's not running and all of a sudden I'm like I can't walk <laughs> just you know I was sitting down and next thing I know I've got a my you know I can I'm hobbling along wondering what the hell's happened to my calf you know, or you know the other week when it was my glute was like I'd finished my run and I was getting the kids lunches and by the time I you know finished dropping everybody off at school I was. By lunchtime, I was hobbling. I was limping across the road to my appointment. So it was sort of um, sometimes things pop up and they pop up really, you know, um, <laughs> with gusto. <laughs> they just they just come out of nowhere. It's not like something that's like, oh, well, yeah, that foot niggle that's been increasing over the last X amount of weeks, I really need to pay attention to that. It's just bang. There's, wow, there's a problem I have to deal with. <laughs> Because I can't run. <laughs> yeah, and particularly when you have a job as a nurse where you're on your feet all the time. Yeah, it's, it's it like in some it. ways it's active recovery and in other ways it's like I just really want to put my feet up but I can't. I've got to walk eight kilometres while I'm at work. So, <laughs> you know, it's um, uh, and it changes from day to day. So, you know, it's sort of not – it's not downtime as such. It's um, – it's so, yeah, forced active recovery sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's um more challenging than it than it needs to be, I'm sure. But yeah, that's um but like all in all, it was a really positive experience. And I think sort of I guess from a coming back to the whole UTA versus AC or not versus compared to AC, like I had nothing but a you know, yes, there was some tears, but I had a really joyful experience at UTA. And and for the most part, I had a really joyful experience at Alpine Challenge as well. So, you know, that's the resounding sort of, um, you know, residual feeling coming away from it is is um, is that it was a you know a really positive. They're both incredibly positive events um, and positive experiences. So. Um, yeah, so certainly now not. You're heading to two bays, but have you got anything else? Oh yeah, I have got lots of other things. <laughs> I've got uh, Alpine Ascent in February, which is um, 25k at Kosciuszko, Charlotte's Pass. Is that the one that you did two loops of? Yeah, so I'm, do I'm doing the that was the one that was two loops to make the 50k yeah. last year, and then yeah, so I'm just I'm doing the 25 which is just one loop um which is a really nice it's really pretty up there um and uh in march i'm going over to new zealand to visit joe for six days which is really exciting um i'm not doing an event though just lots of running and mm -hmm. catching up and eating which is my plan and um uh, staring at beautiful mountains, hopefully. So that'll be lovely. And then I'm thinking either Glowworm uh, Tunnel Marathon in June or 
the weekend after that is the Cowan uh, Trail Cowan Trail Run um, Trail Marathon weekend, and um, so either one of those I will do. I'll do a trail full marathon in June next year, I think. So, um, um, not sure which one I'll do. I'm leaning towards glowworm at the moment because glowworms. Um, obviously that would be really pretty but I've just I heard the other day I think the fires went through the Mm. valley there um at noons um over the weekend so it will be it remains to be seen they haven't opened up ticket sales yet um they reckon that that entries will be available in the before Christmas but maybe they're waiting to assess what damage has been done to the area before they um before they uh, announce that, because yeah, there's there a chance been a that few it might. events this year which have had to have been cancelled, yeah. unfortunately, and it will due be, to safety. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see what happens next year too because, look, these national parks, there was an announcement yesterday that New South Wales national parks, that there's going to be a lot of national parks and reserves that are closed yeah. for extended periods of time over summer um, and the rate at which the fires are, you know, burning through areas there's going to be some national parks that have had fires come through that are not going to be reopened in time for some events i think so um so that's another thing that because of the you know safety concerns with um you know burnt out trees and latent fires and things like that so that's going to i think it's going to sort of a watch this space kind of um, yeah, thing. Yeah, you don't really know what the summer season is going to be like because we feel we haven't like even we've started, been in summer have we? for a month, but we haven't. <laughs> we haven't. Their bushfire season is, you know, it's been going for, you know, we've been in, having bushfires for the last six or eight weeks, but with, you know, officially it's sort of, you know, we're 12 days into December and that's, you know, we've still got a long months of dry hot weather yeah ahead of us. so um and then yeah the end of the year i'm going to i want to do the human hovel 50k down at tumbarumba in october which is the weekend i think it's going to be the weekend after melbourne marathon this year because melbourne marathon's been brought forward a week yeah it has mm, so yeah so it's a bit of a watch this space kind of to be can to be advised to be confirmed <laughs> i'll just i'll wait and see i'd like to, what's drawing me towards the cowan trail marathon is that it's a six foot track qualifier as well but it's got a slightly more generous cutoff than um <laughs> for it to, to be a qualifier than the uh, glowworm but it's not all about qualifying times it's also about experiences so um so it's just a, a choice. I have to make a decision and choose between the two, which are both they both got merit and they're both, you know, awesome, uh, awesome races. So um, and both sort of you know community events, which um, yeah. So it's going to be a, a tough call to decide which one I go for. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Those things you wait like you almost hope that like you know, sometimes a decision can be made for you either due to timing or, you know, like what if something has to be rescheduled or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. 
yeah, so, yeah, if I don't have to make the decision, if yeah. something else, if circumstance could make the decision for me, that would be awesome. Um, and it might even just come down to, well, um, the glowworm uh, event requires a night away, you know, um, and, you know, sort of uh, overnight stay in Bathurst and then an hour and a half drive to get there kind of thing and then a three and a half hour drive home after the marathon, whereas the one in Cowan is, you know, it's an hour down the, down the road. I can leave on the, the morning of the event and I can be home for afternoon tea sort of thing. It's, um, you know, it's sometimes logistics works like, sometimes it works like that. So it's not always about, it's, it's you know, what I want to badly, badly want to do or whatever, whatever's on the bucket list. Sometimes it's about what works this year. What yeah, are our commitments and, this year? And it's so, always, it's always easier when things are just that, little bit yeah. closer like especially yeah here. like if there's ahead. something that I can drive to then it dramatically decreases the amount of money that I have to absolutely have to spend yeah on it. <laughs> yeah and I can you know I can enter this marathon down and you know down in uh one boy in Cowan Forest you know it'll cost me all of 50 60 dollars to enter a marathon and I have no accommodation fees I have no you know just fuel to get there um, and you know, that's it kind of thing. Whereas anything, uh, and that's a, that's a pretty big bonus when I think about the fact that I'm going overseas in March. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you know, when you, um, and there's a few other bits and pieces in the pipeline and we just don't know how busy we're going to be with the kids at that time of the year and whatnot. Regardless, I'll be training for a marathon, a trail marathon, I think, and um, which is kind of exciting. I'm really, which, that um, is interesting because, you know, just because most trail, events are more in the ultra yep zone realms yeah so it is um is more of a unique thing to sort of have the the trail marathon i mean there are a few of them but you know not loads yeah, it's sort of it's more unusual to come across a trail marathon than it is to come across a 50k um the um yeah it's kind of and it's it's interesting because i have little Actually, I have no desire to run a road marathon, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite excited about the thought of running a trail marathon. So <laughs> I would have, you know, you'd sort of think that one is more appealing than the other simply because, you know, 100 metres of elevation gain over 42 kilometres versus, you know, 1,500 metres or 2,000 metres. Of, I think it's 1,500 metres of elevation over the 42 kilometres. But, um, but it's also, I don't know, it's kind of... It's a which it's is a different you know, challenge which is a lot, but it's also comparatively. It's not much. It's not so you know. Yeah. It sort of indicate that a lot of that trail is very runnable. Yeah, there's some. No, yeah, there's some. There, there are some climbs, and also it's in June, so you know it's probably going to be about I don't know maximum of seven degrees, so it's going to be really good running weather, yeah. <laughs> unless it's you know, and even if it's raining, it's not a. It's it's. You know, it's not a hugely technical trail, so it's fire road and um, uh, and things like a bit of single track and whatnot. It's not going to be something that's going to get really boggy and muddy and um, slippery and whatever. So yeah. it's it could be potentially it could be a really great day for a run. So um, it's um, yeah, it'll be be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have some kind of mystery. <laughs> some kind of <laughs> wait and see. But it's um yeah. I it, it, 
and I don't I honestly don't feel that there's a need to book in 100k necessarily yeah. next year which is an interesting place to sort of be it's not that I don't want to do another one I do want to do another one I, I think I I'm, I'm still I don't know I'm not on the fence necessarily but I'm I think I like them <laughs> does that sound <laughs> does that sound I'm you know I think I'd like for them to start to feel a little bit easier yeah. um and maybe eventually not take me quite so long but also if they if I continued to take you know 26 hours to do 100k that's fine too just become I would become more accustomed to the effort maybe um like I haven't had a cold sore this time after my race so I feel like my body's becoming accustomed to the to the amount of effort that I put into them maybe um so it's yeah it's not like a well now I've gone this far I have to keep going this far this sort of scenario it's a well this is what appeals to me next year um and um and I've I it's not it's not necessarily I I don't like them so I'm not doing anymore it's just well there's none that none that sort of work for me in the first half of the year um at this stage so and there's some races that I want to do that are shorter. So it's, you know, um, I wouldn't want to exclude those races because they're not long enough kind of thing for, for what it is that I want to do. And particularly when, you know, you're not living somewhere that has where you've got loads and loads of trails on your doorstep. Yeah. So a lot of the time... Um, it's sort of like the sort of like almost a key part of the training is signing up for events so that you can have access yeah, to can, trails. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a it's 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 a good way to get trail time, and yeah. it's a good way to also become more comfortable with running events. You know, uh, um, sort of the desensitization to the nerves around running events and things um but it's also um it's also a good opportunity to work on my skills as a trail runner and you know and sometimes bringing back the distance a little bit is a good thing um to sort of re uh, just to not to not reset as such but just to refocus on on building skills rather than building endurance yeah, like the endurance will build anyway, but um, but to yeah really build on my on my trail running skills so that um, so that in time I can run more of those longer courses um, rather than just you know exhausting myself every four months running a hundred k hiking a hundred k. Yeah, I think it is always. I think it is nice often to have a. Um, that sort of that change in annual focus and yeah. just sort of like not that you're done with that other thing but it's like oh I'm going to work on this for a while and then I'll go yeah. back to the other thing and because there is always so many so many areas that are that you can work on and you can sort of have a have a long-term goal but also understand that 
you know, a lot of it is like, say, for example, if you're doing more 50Ks, it's just less recovery time yeah. and more running. Yeah. You know, which yeah, exactly. just all helps. Yeah, and that which is more fun too, yeah. isn't it? Like it's, um, you know, unless you're one of these cra- amazing people who, you know, seems to have, seems to be able to bounce between events, you know, the 100K or 100 mile events super, super fast. It's like for most of us, it's, um, you know, you're talking eight weeks to full recovery and, you know, you the longer the run, generally speaking, it's very much a blanket statement, I guess, but, you know, the longer the event that you're doing, um, the fewer of them you can do each year. So, yeah. you know, it's sort of trying to find that middle ground of still being able to do the things that I love doing um, to try and improve on the things that I enjoy doing. Um, and um, But also, you know, like the, the, the fatigue, the mental fatigue after doing 300K events in a year is, um, is it's, it's up there. And I feel like, well, next year I just, you know, this is what feels good. This is what what feels good at the moment mentally and emotionally and this is what excites me um, in the, you know, in the short term. Yeah. Um, and this is what, um, so this is where I'm, the direction I'm going to go. And, yeah, I think being comfortable in, in within myself of what my, what floats my boat as far as running is concerned, you know, because everybody's different and I don't want to be um, somebody who's doing things just because other people are. Um, you know, doing doing events because somebody else has told you that they're really awesome and they're lots of fun, that's fine, <laughs> that's one thing. But doing, trying to convince myself that I like a particular distance because other people like it is not a place I want to find myself. I want to f- do what, you know, I don't want to be caving into any perceived sort of peer pressure or anything like that that sort of makes me feel like I need to always run long or, you know, my events need to be minimum distance or whatever. It's just I would like to explore the, you know, the options that are out there and the different events that are out there. So it's – um, and I don't know what next year is going to bring, you know, all four kids at school next year. I don't know how Heidi's going to – that's super exciting. I don't know how Heidi's going to settle into kindergarten. I don't know any of that sort of stuff. I don't know how that's going to look in our family. So I don't really want to, you know, I kind of not made that mistake, but it was kind of, it was a steep learning curve with James going to high school this year. And, and, and it was a lot more stressful than I anticipated and for all of us. And, um, and I don't want to dig myself that particular, uh, you know, another hole that looks the same as that for next year necessarily i feel like it's been a year of let's just survive this whereas i'd really just like to yeah i mean and be it's there just, next year. just it's so so sort of kid dependent you know like i remember yeah. like when they were toddlers riley was just like super attached to me at all times and mm. you know she would cry if i went into the toilet you know and yeah. then when she went to kindergarten, I mean, and I think some of this was impacted by the fact that I was working so Josh was taking her to yep. kindergarten. Um, but you can just, like, take her at, you know, like you start having on-duty teachers from 8.45 and I could yep. just, like, drop her off at 8.45. She'd go, like, hang out with her friends. Just, 
not phased at all. And then Piper, who was like as a as a toddler, was super independent, could care less where I was or where I was going. You know, like with yeah. Riley, if I was leaving the house, you'd be like devastated. And yeah. Piper was like, whatever, like, did I ask you? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then when we got to kindergarten and she was, it was such a mental slog with her separation anxiety. Yeah. And um, and it went, and it's sort of like it's not the, um, it's okay telling you this and I'm sure it's just you and I in this conversation. So oh, don't yeah. worry about anyone else um, because you already know the story. But if also like if I'd known, like I kind of went into that thinking, yeah, you know, but it's just kindergarten, it'll get better, you know. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, is she's now in year three and she's pretty good in that um, we've probably had now, I would say, a couple of years without her uh, crying when I leave. Um, yeah. But I would say, you know, kindergarten and year one, that was happening most of the time. Yeah. And even now I still have to walk her to class and yeah. I have to stay at assembly if assembly is sort of like happening first thing. And yeah. so instead of me having sort of, you know, like if it was just Riley having sort of like 8.45 to 3.15 to play with, I kind yeah. of don't finish up with her until like 9.30. And yeah. And but the mental toll of those first couple of years, it's exhausting, isn't was it? Was <laughs> exhausting for both of us. Yeah, because it was like it, it wasn't just like the drop off. It no, it starts way before then. <laughs> when with like uniforms and yeah, you know, shoes and socks shoes and, and socks, and yeah. we get to the end of the term and I would be so emotionally exhausted from yeah. the toll of getting her ready. Every morning. Every day, yeah. Because it would start as soon as she wakes up. Yeah, and it would tend to go better. Like if she got there in a good mood, then that was an indication that it was going to go well. But then if she started having tantrums super early, you're like, oh, God, it's going to be one of these days. Yeah. And and you could just sort of see it coming. And I think like towards the end of the term, I would often have her, you know, like home – you know, yeah, a couple of times because I just couldn't face it. It's yeah. just like Yeah. And, and you also it, don't want to put her through, you know, there's only so much of it that you can put her through as well. And and if you can relieve some of that anxiety every now and again, it's kinda of nice to be able to do that for them too. It's like a like yeah. a little gift that you can give them just Yeah. So yeah, it's easy I think to sort of under underestimate, like because some kids it's sort of like it's the least of their concerns and their sort of needs will pop up in other areas. Like Mm, although Riley's super independent now and will can like go to school on her own and can walk home on her own and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you know, her stuff will sort of like pop up in, in other ways, like where she'll start like picking fights with people left, right, and center, and you'd be like, mm, "How was your day?" Yeah. 
it's like a premonition of teenage years to come isn't it yeah yeah so as much as it's sort of like it's what like that smell of freedom yeah i know and i'm you know i think and heidi's that she's that confident kind of Mm. happily um separates at the moment and all that sort of thing but but she does need mummy time you know yeah. she's she's only five and a half and and you know she, when I'm when we're home and she like the other day she was dead set mummy you and I are having our day together aren't we <laughs> and then we sort of you know Julian had to do something um and start work uh, later and and he took Heidi he wanted to take Heidi with him to to do the the um errand that he had to do and and she was like, no, 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 I'm staying here with mummy because it's mummy, it's it's Heidi and mummy day. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Like it's only for a little bit and we'll meet mummy up at, you know, nine o'clock. It's okay. <laughs> it was, took a little bit of convincing. So I don't, and, and preschool's very different to kindergarten and, you know, kindergarten in the big school with all these other kids and big sister there and all this stuff. It can, you know, it could easily be overwhelming for us. So I'll just wait and see what happens there. I'm not going to make any assumptions based on, you know, um, yeah, because what it can, I think should happen, sort of change, and just let her change do her the thing. dynamics too. Like I know that when Piper started, Riley felt quite torn at times because you know, like Piper obviously wasn't settling super well and was sort of yeah. dependent on her to have someone yeah. to hang out with. But you know, yeah. Riley wanted to play with her friends too, but she had trouble yeah. saying no. And yeah. you know, so it was sort of just everyone just navigating that period yeah. of time, like her knowing yeah. that it would be time limited, but also knowing I said, you know, like if you don't want to spend that time playing with her and you don't just, have to. You don't mm. don't go up to yeah. her, you know, like um Leave her and, alone completely. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. even go and, don't engage. <laughs> and um and and she'd be like, yeah, but I don't want her to be alone. And I'm like, I oh, know, like that's that's the hard part. But it's yeah. it's still your choice, yeah. um, how you how you want to do it. And there was a period of time, which is even though it's ages away, because Riley's still got another year of primary school. Um, yeah, where Piper started to realise that there would be a period of time where she was going to be at school and Riley was going to be at high school and I'd like walk into her having a shower and she would just be bawling her eyes out. Oh, and wow. And say, because yeah. Riley's starting high school and I said, yeah, but not for like three years. Yeah. And she's like, what's he doing? It's not Penny, don't worry about that just yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's always a, uh, a, a big transition but yeah. it does like open a lot more uh you know like every time I have like the long school holidays with them I'm reminded that of how much easier it is <laughs> now that they're both in school. <laughs> oh, and you, yes, and you don't have to feed them every 10 minutes at home like you do yeah. when they're on school holidays yeah exactly. no, the amount of it's crazy isn't it yeah. absolutely crazy <laughs> Looking forward to the to said school holidays coming up. That's for sure. Into this crazy part of the year, I'm ready to stop making lunches now. Lunches yesterday. <laughs> I had to put four of them together in about eight minutes this morning. Needless to say, I failed. We were late <laughs> to school. <laughs> oh, no man. one was actually late to school, but we were more rushed than we had to change things up a little bit, get creative. 
but yeah, it's not it's not my favourite. It's limping to the end of the year. No, no. Yeah. And they've got um what they got like they finish up on Thursday. So I was sort of like writing out my plan for like what I wanted to get done before then. And yeah. I was like, wow. That's a lot of stuff i got to do. Good luck there, lady. <laughs> You're going to need um, more coffee. <laughs> you know, and then Riley was watching, she likes this show, Sugar Rush, where oh, they're, yeah. they're making, like, cupcakes and whatever else. She's like, oh, this just makes me want to bake. And I'm like, really? I just look at this and I want to eat. Like, where yeah. is my cake? Um, <laughs> and she's like, can we bake on the weekend? I'm like, yeah, we can bake on the weekend. What do you want to make? And she's like, well... I want cream cheese frosting, so let's make red velvet cupcakes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I like how you think you work back from the icing. Yeah. Yeah. Work with the icing, and yep. there we are. Yep. Bang. I like it. She's a logical thinker. <sighs> Priorities so, are yes. in the right place. <laughs> but we both got like school stuff to go to because they seem to jam pack school activities into the last week don't they they do they do I think there's unfortunately no escaping it but yeah I've got preschool portfolio presentation this afternoon at two o'clock so mm, it's gonna be a bit of a sad one breaking the ties with preschool after three kids and five years yeah actually had uh Piper had a uh substitute teacher the other day who actually uh, was one of her teachers in preschool. And oh, wow. It's like the best thing ever. That's fantastic. And you've got a thing to go to this afternoon, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. They had this big um, uh, to, to cause quite the drama at school because they had their big awards thing and if you if your kid's getting an award, you get a letter, but they don't say which kid it is. So you're just in the dark. And so I showed up to the awards thing was there for 90 minutes and no child wow. received an award. And, wow. you know, and for me that's as somebody who has like two jobs at home, that's kind of frustrating in the sense of, like I really do not need to be there for that, and that's an yeah. Hour and a half it's a lot of non-productive time, isn't it? Done something else, but it's sort of like you know how oh, that stuff happens. I got like a letter saying, oh, due to they had some delivery issues due to bushfires with some of the metals and whatever else. No. Right. Oh, okay. Today, um, yeah. But you know, I could get how for other parents who are actually taking time off work, it would have been even more yeah. frustrating. Um, be a bigger, bigger drama, wouldn't it? But yeah. you know, like especially people at this time of year, make mistakes, and with the, that kind of thing, like they just like dealing with so many moving parts. Yeah, like particularly yeah. in the last couple of weeks, like they have had student elections, they've had like the house elections, they've had like all of the awards for in all of the key learning areas, and then they just had their positive behavior for learning awards and then these are sort of encouragement and citizenship awards and it's just like and you know like most schools they seem to be still like stuck in the dark ages where they're still like sending letters <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know no. and it's sort of like so as a uh, as a sort of admin person I look at that whole thing and I'm like a not surprising yeah, that, that happened. More surprising that that's the first time it's happened, and that whole thing is like an administrative nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, um, you know, but and 
as it was, like, Riley's a lot more level-headed than my younger hothead, so she was yes. pretty unfazed by the whole thing and they had, yeah. like, a meeting afterwards and they said, you're still getting it. It's just today, you know, a few days away. Just not today. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so... Goodness so, me! Yeah, well, you'll have works. to you have to make sure that you take a snack or something. Eat lunch before you go. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I I do think like now I've been to the plays, I've been to the learning conventions, I've been to after today it will have been three different awards things, which I think means that there's other than potentially providing food for class parties. Yeah, which is okay. Like, how hard is it to buy? Yeah. A packet of yeah. chips. Although yeah. Piper said to me, "I'm going to bring a fruit platter." I'm like, okay. Uh, oh, last year I had to make sausage rolls. <laughs> um, so yeah, no events as far as I'm aware. In that's the, pretty good. In the last four days, so no. yeah, pretty we've solid. still got yeah, still got one, two, three, three more. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It is what it is. <laughs> and then you enjoy that. You enjoy the Christmas holidays, even the first few days of the Christmas holidays, even more, I think, for the lack of driving around and all the shenanigans. It is like for the first, um, even with the constant feeding, um, for the first few weeks generally of them being on holidays, like my productivity level is so high just from not having that thing of getting them ready in the morning and then picking yep. them up in the afternoon. Because you can yes. just have, like, much longer periods of, like, working on the same. Yeah, uh, and you're not bookended by school drop-off and school pick-up. You, you no, know. and Josh yeah. is home for, like, he's, his office um, closes down in between uh, Christmas, Christmas and, and yeah. New Year's. Yeah. So um, he's home, which means there is a second person who is capable of yeah. providing various types of food. And, and entertainment. Yeah. Mm. Tech um, support. Exactly. <laughs> For so, the bypass um, and whatnot. It can sort of split. But I do think I'm going to have to do some kind of like meal prep for their like every five seconds saying I'm hungry but then yeah like you need not, like a platter or something that yeah, you can like, put out and say this is the grazing like, platter like I was like oh I'm so hungry and she's like I don't know what I have I just said oh can I have a carrot which is great but I'm like okay you're hungry like the carrot is great but it's not going to it's not actually going to fill you up <laughs> it's not going to fill you up for very long like you need something more and it is it I think it's for, for kids too this time of year it's hard because because of the heat they really do not want sort of like hot food yeah which is really what I would normally sort of like go with to sort of fill them up although Riley has been living on about like five bowls of porridge a day so that's okay <laughs> so, yeah. it's good for you yeah it's <laughs> so, not very filling <laughs> so yeah like I just mm. I'm just gonna need to um like I was looking on I think uh Nicole at Planning with Kids says some good yeah like, um energy ball re- recipes and like kids stuff and I was looking at that like that, where it it's nice in that you look at so many recipe sites and it's always like five ingredients that you've never heard of or don't have yeah you know? you've always got oh well I could make it except I'm lacking the three vital ingredients <laughs> <laughs> yeah. give me something that's got like 
oats and like chocolate chips and maybe some honey. And, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Chuck some protein powder in there, make them a, a bliss ball or something. Yeah, you totally exactly. got that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, they might be keen on. I just ran out of protein, so I bought um, True Protein as a new one. Um, cookies and cream. Oh, I saw that. Which yeah. was on sale, so I thought oh, I'll definitely get that then. We ended up having to cut that a little bit, a teensy bit short, uh, because my lawnmower people showed up, but at least it was at the end and not at the beginning this time. So um, we both wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and hope you have a fantastic holiday with your family and happy running and thank you so much for listening this year and being part of the Operation Move community. We really appreciate it.